Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real Phony gon' recognize, still, still recognize with Like we always do with this time I go for mine, I get to shine Now throw your hands up in the sky Welcome, welcome, welcome to the KIRP Radio Show. You guys know how we do it, man. WMMG, home of the KIRP Radio Show. Every week, every Sunday, you will get an extraordinary show from yours truly, Pudgy. You guys know how we get down, man. Everybody who's listening to the show, you guys are B-I-G in my book, and I definitely appreciate you guys rocking with us. We got a special treat right off the bat this week, folks, and I will get the man on the air in just a second. I'm sure everybody knows who it is, you know, Lenny McAllister, the extraordinary, the great, the humanitarian, the man of the hour, Lenny McAllister is going to be rocking with us live on the show and telling us all how he holds it down, man. YCB, you guys don't know about that, but I'm going to let Lenny tell you guys what it's all about. Um, This week on the show, well, first, let me go back for a second. 
and I got a lot of shout outs to give and I'll do that throughout the course of the show, but got to give a B.I.G. shout out to all my listeners and all my supporters from last week and beyond. You guys really hold me down, man. We had a wonderful show with the great Algernon Cash. You know, he came through and dropped some financial uh, literacy for us. So, you know, he let us understand what the debt was about, what the debt ceiling was about. And, uh, you know, that we can make it through this. You know, folks, we got to be responsible about how we're going about our money. And, um, you know, I'm all about that, man. Education, you know, trying to trying to show the love and not spread the wealth, but trying to teach people how to get their own wealth. You know what I mean? So shout out to everybody who listened to the show last week. We had great feedback, more letters than I could possibly read on the air. I'm getting to that soon. I'm, we're thinking about just taking a YouTube clip and just reading all the letters out, you know, to all the folks out there just to let them know that we appreciate and we will take the time to do that. Um, so shout out to everybody out there who holds us down and who listened to the show on the past weeks. Really appreciate you guys. We are the number one black conservative radio show in the Carolinas, North and South Carolina, and that's a huge feat. That's a major accomplishment. You know, we started just last year in November, and, you know, here we are already. So, you know, this show lets me know that there's there's people out there who's who cares, man. That there's, there's black folk out there who care about what's going on. And, you know, everybody wants to be involved. And, we, you know, we we care, too. We care about our community, and we care about the Fed, and we care about the local, the state. And, you know, we're trying to do our thing out there, too, man. You know, we're not what some people think we are. But anyway, I'm not going to stretch you guys out much longer, man. Anybody who's just logging on to the show, if you want to call in, 619-638-8559 is the number. KRPRadioShow.com is the website. If you're on Facebook, hit us up, Facebook.com, backslash KRP Radio Show, WMMG, home of the KRP Radio Show, number one conservative talk radio show in the land, baby. We're getting ready to bring on my man, Lenny McAllister. Mr. McAllister, how are you this evening, sir? Pudgy, I'm doing well. How are you tonight, child of God? Man, I'm feeling I'm feeling beautiful right now, and, and I'm feeling great that you're on the show rocking with us this evening, brother. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you this evening. Absolutely, man. You, you've been a busy man here in, in the last, <laughs> I, I would say the last week, but just in the last couple of days you've been a busy man. What you been up to the last couple of days, Mr. McAllister? Well, I just got back from Ames, Iowa. I was out there for the straw poll yesterday, had an opportunity to do some stuff for CNN, also do some stuff for a new internet television channel that's coming up called Black Conservative TV. And it's very simply www.blackconservative.tv. We are launching that. It's being launched by magazine publisher William Owen. Mm-hmm. And we did great things. Had an opportunity to interview Rick Santorum, interview Herman Cain, nice. interview other activists that were on the ground in Ames, Iowa. And then, of course, I did that in conjunction with my weekly segment on CNN Saturday morning with host T.J. Holmes and uh, CNN contributor Maria Cardona. So we had a great time out there, had an opportunity to bust out there, got a chance to see seven busloads of Chicagoans out there in Iowa as well, which was fantastic. Good times out there. Learned a lot about the conservative movement, where we're going as a conservative movement, where we're probably going with this presidential race as of right now, and I'm looking forward to consolidating some some future opportunities as well. I'm going to give you all maybe not breaking news, but a little bit of news a little bit further on in in the radio broadcast over the course of the next hour. Sounds good to me, man. And like I said, folks, this man has been very busy, (laughs) very busy to say the least. But seven busloads? Seven? 
there were seven busloads of Chicagoans out there. I went out there. I got out there before them. By the time they got there, I had already done my CNN hits and was on the set at blackconservative.tv. But there were seven busloads of Chicagoans out there. They could not participate in the actual straw poll, but they were there. I mean, we're a bordering state. We were there to provide support and let folks know that the conservative movement moving forward in the 2012 is alive and well, and we're looking forward to really turning around America and getting us back on track. Man, shout out to Chi-Town. Chi-Town holding it down with seven bus loads, man. That's that's B.I.G. right there, man. Chi-Town is coming to play ball this year, um, like they have been in the last few years for sure, and the whole nation is realizing that right now. But, Lenny, you know, this show, I didn't know how I was going to go about it because there's a few things that's been going on in your life that, that absolutely blew me away. And, and man, I've been, you know, I've been talking to everybody in the world that I could talk to about, you know, the movement that you started. And uh, we kind of geared the show around the things that you've been going through um, last month, you know, the last week of last month. And, uh, you know, the, the one incident that happened with your mentee. And uh, I don't know, you know, Lenny, it, it brought me to think about this topic right here. Black on black crime. And you actually said it, too. But black-on-black crime, why aren't we outraged about black-on-black crime in America? You know, when it's when it's black-on-white crime or black and Latino or, or black and anything, you know, we're ready to march and, and, and we come and, and the wolves and the sheep come out. You know, everybody comes out to support some sort of movement when it's black versus whomever. But when it's black-on-black, which, which speaks the loudest in this country, I don't understand where people are, Lenny. You know, where are they? Why Why don't we hear such an outrage when it's, you know, about black-on-black crime? Because there's a level of condoning behavior that that rings throughout the community, and it's a lot easier to allow status quo to maintain and to stay comfortable in mediocrity and even in a in a slow death environment than it is to, to wrangle up the masses and say we will not tolerate what we're seeing in our communities any longer, and we will not tolerate people selling death to our communities. If you think about it, if we're not willing to fight the drug dealers in our community, let alone anybody else that's bringing death to us in a quick fashion, why would we raise up from a black-on-black perspective and put things in, in process, put things in place that will discontinue the slow death that we see in our communities, mm. the slow death through disrespect, the slow death through undereducation, miseducation, and unemployment. If we're not willing to put those things in the place for fast death when it comes to the gangs, when it comes to drugs, if we're going to condone that and say that's just the way it is, why would we do something for slow death? And, and we have to really change both of those tracks of destruction at this point in time. We have to get to a point in time where we are rising up, where we are saying there's going to be a new level of leadership and there's going to be a new standard that we're all going to adhere to. And it's one of the things that, that I, I hold very dear to my heart, something that the young people have said to me when I've mm-hmm. spoken around the country, and it's something that I've heard them say to police officers as well. You know, a lot of the, the police officers here in Chicago go to the young people in the community and say, how come you all continue to do the things that you do? Right. And the young people say, when you all start acting like adults again, we'll start acting like children again. We'll follow you, we'll be obedient, we'll submit, and we'll follow this course of action. But when we don't have adults in our communities willing to stand up for us, die for us, March for us, um, negotiate for us, and and create a better life for us. Protect us. Allow us to be innocent. If we lose our innocence at six, seven, eight years old, why mm. wouldn't we wow out by the time we become teenagers? I, wow, it's it, you know, I always thought 
you know, looking, looking, you know, in, in my, throughout out my window in the black community, I'll say it like that. I always thought that the church was first and foremost to lead our communities only because, you know, we never, I mean, truthfully speaking, we never really depended on the federal government to help us out, so to speak, um, to be there for us, so to speak, because let's face it, we've been failed so many times by different institutions, okay, or, or by, by our government, first and foremost. But it seems that the church is not really outreaching, um, at least in my opinion, the way that, you know, they should be outreaching. Is, is that fair to say, and is there a reason for that? Well, it's fair to say, and the reason is because the church is no longer the most influential structure in black America today. The most influential mm-hmm. structure in black America today is the media, and particularly fast media, particularly pop media, not even the news, not even, you know, music is from a classical sense or from a cultural sense. It's pop music, pop media. That is the structure, the institution that means the most in black America today. And when you look at how pop media and pop music look, it's reality shows, it's music about death, destruction, yeah. disrespect. So if you look at that, and that's replaced the church, because those are where the leaders are coming from. Those are where the iconic leaders are coming from. The style leaders are coming from. Those are where the the models of behavior are coming from. Before mm-hmm. the model of behavior was the preacher. It was the teacher. It was the businessman trying to do the right thing. It was dad in the home. It yeah. was the parent working the job. Now it is a rapper with gold chains. It, it, it's a, a mom shaking her thing on stage trying to make money. Somebody 45 years old trying to be 19 years old. It is a reality show about basketball wives where half of them are divorced from the guy that they were supposedly being a basketball wife with. It's Big Brother. It's um, <laughs> the real world. I mean, if you look at that and those examples of what behavior is supposed to be, it's no wonder our children act the way they are. Now, that also goes back to us. But it goes back to the Generation Xers that have children, mm-hmm. and it goes back to the, to the younger and, and slightly older baby boomers. We have refused to be... Social leaders, we have advocated our responsibility to be social leaders, to be moral leaders, because we have basically walked away from our moral authority to act and do right so that we can be an example for others. Absolutely. And and our responsibility on on top of it all, you know, I I always thought that we were responsible. I mean, as as a kid, you know, you grow up and you do things and, you know, you laugh and you have a good time around your neighborhood and you just... You're not as responsible as you should be, and, and it's something to it's something said about learning responsibility and then standing up and being responsible. Now it seems that the parents aren't as responsible as they once were. The kids already don't care to be responsible because hey, they're kids. So if you don't have any anybody to lead you, and you know the person that's supposed to lead you needs to be led, and they can't be led, and they're stray, it's almost self destruction. Um, where do we go from here, Lenny? Start looking for a new model of leadership and change the definition of leadership. And, and and look for people that are bold enough to love people past discomfort. We do not want to move and do things that will become uncomfortable, that will mess yeah. up our lifestyle, that will make us unpopular. You know, leaders of the past did not do things that were popular. They did things that were right. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to get back to a new model of leadership, whether it's in black America or throughout America, we have to get to a point in time where we look to leaders that don't mind being in an uncomfortable position, but do 100% focus on doing what's right 
as much as possible and try to bring as many people along with them as they possibly can. Wow. Let me you know, we, we kinda jump right into it, man, but let me let me let me rewind just a little bit, just to let the people know um about your background, Lenny. How how did you ever get involved with uh what I what I like to refer to as the conservative movement, the right movement? How did you ever get involved with the things that you're involved with today? I was born and raised Catholic. Growing up in working class Pittsburgh, we were always raised as conservatives. Just, you know, when you grow up in a place like Pittsburgh, you generally speaking as an African-American registered Democrat. But as I got older, as I went through particular life experiences, I started realizing that, A, you can't change society without impacting the, the lawmakers and legislators that are going to impact how society interacts through law. That's and then from there, I started looking at where my political policies, where my political philosophies started lining up, and I saw that they leaned more conservative and decided to go ahead and, and formally make the switch over to the GOP. But then from there, understand that I could never give up my experiences you know, as a 21-year-old father, as a college dropout that went back to school and graduated at 30, as an African-American that grew up in working-class Pittsburgh with a father that basically elevated a family tree from somebody that almost didn't get out of high school to raising three college graduates, a wow. mother that had a, a nursery, a daycare in her home and working two and three jobs while I was in school, my sister was in school, my brother was in school, to getting to a point in time where she had three college graduates that, you know, she nursed in their infancy. These are things that people don't realize. And so you take the conservative values and then you take where you sit, you take your background, you put it all together, and that's what I ended up doing. And I, I saw that that's where I sat. But I, I never was going to forget the sacrifices my mom or dad made. I mean, these are children of the 60s. They remember when Dr. King was shot. They remember when it, JFK was shot. I mean, my dad was in the military when JFK was shot, serving our country in Germany. So when you have people that have those experiences as African-Americans, as mm -hmm. black people that were discriminated against, you can be conservative all you want, but you have a ethical and historical obligation to never forget what black people went through in America and make sure that justice is upheld in 2011 for all people, but particularly black people in America that are sliding right back down the totem pole and about to slide off the pole completely. Mm. That it's, it's big. You said that, and I'm glad you brought up the conservative values and, and what, what exactly, you know, for our listeners more than for me, um, in your opinion, in your own words, what exactly are conservative values to you, Lenny? Smaller government and bigger people having an opportunity to allow people to, to chase and grasp the American dream wherever possible. Having an opportunity to pursue education, having an opportunity to pursue business success, having an opportunity to fulfill that pursuit of happiness that, that is mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. What does conservatism mean to me? It means that government doesn't get in the way in, defi in defining how we put together our families. For example, making sure that Family courts have overstepped their boundaries. We don't have judicial activism that gets in the way of our family structures. We don't have repeats of the great society mm -hmm. from the 1960s that broke apart the black family. Making sure that government is there in its proper place, but allowing for an environment where people can rise up, family trees can be strong with deep roots and reach and touch the stars. 
those are the things that we want government to be in from a conservative standpoint. We understand that a proper government allows its citizens the opportunity to do that and allow for the citizens to cultivate the government, not have the government try to social engineer the people. That, and that's a that's a good way to put it, too, because I, I think that a lot of folks, when they hear conservative, they automatically think, hey, I'm not for that, I'm not about that. But if you really look at, if you look at the oldest definition of the word conservative, I think that most of us are that. You know, most of us will conserve. Most of us want to conserve. Most of us want to save a dollar for a rainy day. Most of us want to be able to work ourselves out of our economic strains that we, we currently live in or that we've been through before. And uh, it's just almost a, it's like a bad stigma, you know, when you say conservative in the black community because they automatically go to Republicans and for some odd reason, they automatically go to KKK, racist, sellout, uh, call to banks, if you will, you know, when you start talking about black conservatives so or, or black Republicans. And uh, I think that word, I think it's tainted in our communities, Lenny, I really do. Um you know, I don't know how, how we can go about educating folks and making them understand. I know on this show, I started out the show talking about the history of the Republican Party, and I moved on from there. Um, now we mostly talk about the things that are going on currently and how we can change those things. But I don't know. How do you feel about this? Do you think there's a negative uh, aura? Well, I, well we, we both know that there is a negative aura about the word conservative, and you start talking about black Republicans. But – is there is there a turn of events that's going on right now? But I feel like there is, right? So I don't know. To you, do you feel like there's a turn of events that's going on right now where people don't trust either party or either definition of the meaning? Well, they do not trust either party at this point in time. If you look at the approval ratings of Congress, you'll see that it's absolutely low regardless of political party. But there is, there is a tide that is turning. I mean, for example, here in Chicago, we have a local chapter, the NAACP, that just named one member from the Tea Party onto one of their boards for the NAACP. Wow. We have NAACP leaders meeting with Tea Party leaders here in the Chicagoland area in order to bring about mutual goals and mutual solutions for urban residents here in the Chicagoland. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying people are starting to understand that there is a difference between the rhetoric and the reality. We can change the reality. We can implement the rhetoric and make sure they're not just empty words that we're using. And we're starting to see that. Now, back to what we were saying previously, how do we change the perception of black conservatives and black Republicans? We have to show that we understand the, the, the growing schism between what most of America is going through and what black America is going through. We have to acknowledge it, we have to address it, and we need to fix it. We can't say that there's one unified America when we see that there's this huge difference between the two different types of Americans right now. Oh, yeah. Between other Americans and black Americans. So if we as black Republicans and black conservatives can't acknowledge that, can't address that, and can't work to fix that, why should they trust us? Why should they work with us? That's why it's so important to see the NAACP working with the Tea Party in certain instances. It's important to develop that relationship. Now, of course, the Democrats and liberals don't want to see that. They, they think it's a fallacy. They think it's not going to be long-lived. But they said that about the Tea Party movement as well in 2009, and here we are three years later. It moving just fine, strong enough to have a caucus in Congress. You know, uh, WMMG, home of the KRP radio show, 
619-638-8559 is the number. Facebook, facebook.com slash KRP Radio Show. Online, KRP Radio Show.com. Got to get my call letters in there, Lenny. What, I was just talking to a bunch of folks who said uh, the Tea Party was new, that the Tea Party is just anti-Obama and they just came about. When was the Tea Party uh, movement, when did the Tea Party movement first start, Lenny? I would say it really grew into fruition in 2009, but there were a lot of conservatives that were frustrated with Republicans in Congress in 2006, which is why you had the Democratic wave come in November 2006, twofold. Democrats wanted to take down the last little bit of the George W. Bush reign, if you will, or, or the, the presidential legacy that he had. But also, you got to admit that there were some Republicans that overspent while they were there a decade ago, and there were Republicans that were just frustrated with that, and they stayed home. They did not vote in 2006, or they voted for that conservative Democrat to make a, to make a statement. So you had that already already in play in 2006 and in 2007 with the sweeping change that came in with the Obama presidency and the liberal you know, speakership of Nancy Pelosi from California. And then yeah. you had this soon-to-be supermajority in the Senate, and then you had this left-leaning Democratic president from the Democratic machine in Chicago. It was enough to really rile up the masses with the conservative movement. The stimulus package was – pretty much the primer between the TARP package from 2008, which was under President Bush, That's right. and the stimulus package from 2009, which was under President Obama. That was enough to get people driven to the streets, and they haven't stopped since. You know, j- just moving along, man, um, you know, we, we got something bigger, bigger fish to fry, I want to say, and uh, that goes back to what happened with you in Chicago and there's a lot of people. I mean, I, I posted this early on in the week on my Facebook and on my all over the place. We we posted it all over the place, different blogs. And man, I, I would say easily three thousand to five thousand comments about the story um of what happened to the to the young man in Chicago. Lenny, you can go the long way about it or you can go the lo- the short way about it, but I know a lot of people really want to know the real story. Can you enlighten us on what happened from the beginning? Um, with you on the radio network and and what happened, what got you involved with the movement on taking a McDonald's holiday? Well, basically, long story short, it's something that's already been reported both, you know, in other interviews and and online. Basically, uh, a mentee of mine over at Chicago State University came to me and informed me that his six-day-old son had passed away and that he had lost his job. And I said, well, you know, what happened with the son, obviously, and then what happened with the job? He explained to me that. You know, this this was a kid, young man, 21-year-old young man, overnight manager at McDonald's, working 40 to 55 hours a week, uh, 2.8 grade point average at Chicago State University, a member of ROTC, and was looking to be deployed to serve our country next year, taking care of his girlfriend of 18 months and his in utero child, who we love dearly, and in doing this without parents. His parents passed away two years ago. So wow. he's taking on the responsibility of being a, a man. Never been in trouble from the west side of Chicago, and if you know anything about the west side of Chicago, they oh, yeah. have trouble over there for most folks. So never been in trouble, never sold drugs, doing the right thing in school, almost 3.0 grade point average, working, taking care of his girlfriend, looking forward to his son being born. And son was born premature, died after six days of life, and he ended up working the first two days that his son was born. He literally was at the hospital. When baby and mom would go to sleep, he would go to work. Didn't come back to the hospital. 
son gets sick with an infection, can't fight the infection off, dies after six days. The last two days of the child's life, he is there because there's a do not resuscitate on the child that, that mom and dad actually broke because they were trying to save the child's life. They changed their mind. Didn't really, you know, they, they were able to revive the child, but the child continued to still deteriorate. And he stayed there until his son passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, held his son in his arms with the grieving mom as their son passed away. He gets a call the next day saying he was fired because he missed two days of work over the last two days of the child's very short life. It's a kid that um, not only had not missed work that much previously, but also was an award-winning cadet in ROTC, won the Outstanding Cadet Award while he was in basic training for ROTC, an award that's only given to two men and two ladies out of a whole regiment of basic training cadets. So this is somebody that had been committed to excellence, had never been in trouble, been in a military environment since high school, I think back since eighth grade. So this is somebody that had discipline in his life, his sure. whole life. Again, if he's going to work overnight and come to school and get a 2.8 and still <laughs> take care of this young lady. Not easy. You know the guy's yeah, he's committed to excellence. And so I find out about it, and he told me the story that the guy called him. This is a guy that owned five McDonald's in Chicago. And he told him he was fired. He said, you know, I missed work because my child died. He said, I didn't even know you had a child. I don't really care. It's about my bottom line. Sorry, kid. It's wow. not personal. It's business. Now he he said, kid, I don't I don't care? He said, I don't care. It's about my bottom line. It's not personal. It's business. You had one of my managers working 16 straight hours while you weren't here. He said, I wasn't here because my son literally died yesterday. And um, rather than take, you know, suspend him without pay, do something along those lines. Investigate the story. He did none of that. He just fired him. And now mind you, this is a kid that was going to have to use this McDonald's money to pay for a funeral now. Yeah, yeah. And so um, long story short, he, the kid was upset and said, you know, do you know what it's like to hold your child in your arms while he's dying? He oh, started yeah. crying on the phone. I mean, this is literally less than 24 hours after his son passed away. And the guy apparently slurred him with a, a, a vulgarity and hung the phone up on him. So what I found out about this is that, you know, this, this is a guy that built his way up from working on the fries to owning five McDonald's on the south side and west side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he – it, it can't possibly be true <laughs> quite like this. So I said, well, you know, I told my mentee, I'm gonna, let me talk to the guy, see what the heck his side of the story is. Mm-hmm. I called the guy. Um, he has two employees basically dance around the issue, refused to directly answer questions, which to me said you're avoiding the issue. Something did go down like this. And, you know, this mentee who I trusted, who I had known for about a half a year, so I knew his character. I was like, you know what, this seems to be proving out to be true. I figured it would be. I, did, I figured maybe he was a little emotional. Yeah, maybe he didn't yeah. go quite as harsh as it did. But this is starting to seem like maybe it did. So when I went on the air um, a day later, I said, listen, I tried to get in touch with this guy. I'm not going to name this guy's name. I'm not going to name the student's name. Mm-hmm. But let's take a McDonald's holiday. Let's not go to these three McDonald's. You can go to any McDonald's, other McDonald's you want in Chicago. Don't go to these three. <laughs> yeah. Because if this, if this story is true, if this guy did this to one of our college students trying to do the right thing, doing everything we say young black men don't do in America, then we got a serious problem. And this is what I said, Pudgy. I said, listen, here's a young black man. We're, we say that young black men make babies and don't take, take care of them. This guy was working 40 to 55 hours a week to take care of his child. He was in love with the girl. He'd been with her for 18 months. He was respectful with her. He loves her. He takes care of her. He's going to school, getting a 2.8 grade point average. He's willing to serve our country on top of that. I said, now, 
if this was a white McDonald's owner doing this to a black kid, you would all be marching down Martin Luther King Drive on the south side of Chicago singing We Shall Overcome. Mm. I said, if a black business owner doing this to a black college student trying to take care of his lady friend who he's going to one day wants to marry, taking care of his in utero child, going to school and willing to serve our country, what are you going to do about it? Are you upset about this or don't you care? Phone calls started flooding in. You know, we're, we're outraged that this would happen. We will follow what you say, Lenny. Absolutely. We're not going to go to these McDonald's until we find out what's going on. Right. One of those calls was from a local NAACP chapter president who not only said he was supporting my movement but also gave the number to his cell phone over the air so that the kid could call him to get a job interview immediately wow. with another employer in the Chicago area. Following day after the radio show, I get a phone call back from the franchisees. Needless to say, now he wants to call me back. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, I got a call. call now. <laughs> so he calls me back. He, he goes, is it the radio station? I say, no. And he says, well, I got the wrong number. I said, no, you don't. You called me because I'm the one that called you. <laughs> no, I was calling for the radio station. I said, no, you weren't. You were calling to speak to me because I called you. So who is this? You know, I gave my name, Lenny McAllister. I said, I called you because of a situation with one of my mentees. And I explained what was going on, and, you know, he had lost his job, gotten fired after this tragedy had just happened to him, and I was concerned, so I wanted to know what transpired. He said, well, you know, I don't know why you're calling me, because he didn't need a mentor to get this job for me. I don't know why he needs one now. Wow. Still so not, still not sorry, though. <laughs> there you go. So I said, you know, listen, people are concerned about this. He said, you know, this is really between that employee and me. If you want to talk to somebody, you can talk to my attorney. But this is really between this employee and me. I said, not anymore. I said, there's a lot of people that care about this kid in the community. There's a lot of people that care about this grieving mother. There's a lot of people that cared about this baby. So now it's not just about you and him. It's about a lot of other people from here in Chicago all the way to New York and all the way to California. I said, so I'm just calling because I'm one of his mentors. This is a good kid, and I want your side of the story because I know you built up your career from working on the Friars in 1976 all the way up. Man. And he said, listen, you can talk to my attorney besides I don't even know if you're Lenny McAllister or not. I said, you know, how many other black dwarfs do you see walking around the south side of Chicago on the radio? <laughs> it's only one. It's just me. For real. I said, so I said, I really only want to ask you a question, which is, I'm perplexed why an African-American business owner who worked his way up to where you are right now would do this to an African-American college student willing to take care of his child, take care of his lady, go to school, and try to serve our country. He said, it doesn't matter if I'm black, white, green, yellow, or anything else. It's about my bottom line. Why? Are you African-American? I said, yes, I am African-American, and I care about the black community. He said, well, God bless you. Have a nice day, and hung up the phone on me. At that point in time... That was Wednesday. So at that point in time on Thursday, I said, listen, the NAACP is doing their own independent investigation. It has nothing to do with me. They're willing to boycott all McDonald's in Chicago to get to the bottom line. I said, you know what? I said, you know what? I support that. I said, I support that. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you again, you only don't go to these five McDonald's. So I found out what five McDonald's this gentleman owned, mm-hmm. and I listed them off on the air. I said, you want to go to McDonald's, that's fine. But if you're in line for this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, if you're standing in the drive-thru, get out of line. If you're standing in the store right now listening to the sound of my voice, you don't need that egg muffin that bad. We are not going to tolerate people treating our young people 
in our communities like this, because if we don't stand up for the good young people trying to do the right thing, then what the heck can we do to help turn around the ones that aren't doing the right thing? I said, now we can get to the morality of having children out of wedlock, this, that, and the other. I'm not going to judge him on that. Yes, it's better to have children once you're married. But you know what? I was a 21-year-old father. Yeah. I know what it's like to work overnight. I, and I brought up the story that when my daughter was on her way to coming in, into the world, and, and by the way, that was my ex-wife. This is somebody that I had been dating for two years before mm-hmm. we got pregnant with Alicia, and I ended up marrying the woman and then subsequently getting divorced years later. But I said, listen, I know what it's like to scrub floors. I used to work at a, at a Kmart pudgy mm-hmm. in rural Pittsburgh. Well, not rural Pittsburgh, suburban Pittsburgh. And while my daughter was on her way to get in here, I'd work overnight, I'd scrub toilets, I'd scrub floors, and then work a second job on top of that to try to get myself ready for when she was going to come. Doing what you got to do. I dropped, I dropped out of college about a year earlier. I was taking what I thought was going to be a sabbatical, ended up being almost a decade. Mm. But I know what that's like. This kid was doing that and going to school with no parents. In a, in a neighborhood, growing up in a neighborhood that was far worse than what I was living in in Pittsburgh. So I knew what he was going through. And, again, I brought it up on the air, particularly that Thursday. If you're not going to stand up for this kid, you can't come to me and tell me about the gangbangers. You can't come to me and tell me about the drug dealers. You can't come to me and complain about City Hall keeping yeah. black people down. When black right. people are doing these type of things on the south side of Chicago to our young well, the black people. And, again, yep. the the phone lines lit up. We had about eight phone calls at 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And so with that kind of momentum, it went around Facebook. It was on my Facebook wall. When other places, the black McDonald's owners and operators of America gave a phone call to my former radio station that Friday and said, we got a problem. Now, it's funny because the general manager of that station had told me previously that no one listens to the show at 5 o'clock in the morning, which we knew <laughs> one was not true. Right. Oh, yeah, we, we all know that. Yeah, we had anywhere from two callers to, to seven to eight callers for our five o'clock to six o'clock in the morning show. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how nobody's listening to the show, but now the Black McDonald's owners and operators of America are calling and saying, we have a problem with your five o'clock in the morning show host. And unfortunately, a radio station that has Al Sharpton on there five days a week, Jesse Jackson Sr. on there one day a week, has all kind of civil rights activists and, and quasi-activists on there all throughout their lineup they made a decision to get rid of somebody that was standing up for somebody's civil rights in the black community. Wow. Now, so, course, solely because of your, solely because of your stats or, or it was, was it, it because was, it was, it, they will never comment They are, They have told me publicly that they will not comment on it publicly and they have not given interviews on it, but privately it was on the stance that I took with McDonald's and, you know, one, it's one of their major sponsors. Number two, you know, what does it say when a radio station that was a big backer of the current president of the United States is going to watch a black conservative gather some momentum for the rights of black people on the south side of Chicago when the re-election bid's coming up? Hmm. So they chose money over righteousness, Principal? you know, frankly. Um, well, you know, some some would say that, and it you know, and if that is the case, it's unfortunate because this is a radio station that for 25 years had been one of the preeminent black talk radio stations in the country. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they, like I said, Al Sharpton's on there five days a week. Jesse Jackson Sr.'s on there one day a week. Um, Jesse Jackson Sr.'s daughter's on there four days a week, and they talk nothing about black empowerment, black empowerment. we got to help black people out. What do we do to help out black people? Well, here's something I did 
to to put a stake in the ground and say these are the types of standards we need to put in place with our black businesses. Now, mind you, before they had let me go, we had already ended the boycott. I went on there and said, listen, this, this young man in question got help with the funeral. The um, the young man in question got another job. The NAACP was doing their own investigation, so I didn't have to do anything. Go right. off the boycott. The bottom line is people have brought attention to this, and we're going to raise a standard of how we're going to act in our communities. But um, unfortunately, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, there are some people in our communities, Pudgy, and it doesn't just mean the black community. It, it means all communities throughout America. There are people that say they want change, and there are people that just want to jiggle the change in their pocket. Mm. I'm not one that wants to tolerate watching injustice or watching mediocrity. I want to be with those that want to raise up America. It is time to rise up as a people, as an American people that's going to reclaim the American dream for as many Americans as possible. And we're going to expand that American vision. We're no longer going to say that ghettos are tolerable. We're not going to any longer say that we have to see people ride on piss-stained trains and buses throughout Chicago, throughout big cities, just because that's how ghetto life is. No, it doesn't have to be that way. We may never be able to get rid of the poor, according to the Bible, but there can still be dignity with poor. There can still be an opportunity to rise up from being poor, and we've given up on that. And until we start putting real-life examples into place, whether it's standing up for a kid who had his six-day-old son die, or it's standing up for each other as we continue to move forward as a people, as an American united people. Until we do that on a regular basis, and I do think it has to come from Generation X and Generation Y doing this, until we do that, we're going to continue to see the death and destruction we see all around America from our fiscal and financial markets all the way down to what we're seeing on the block. Wow. So so where where do where do we stand right now with this young man? I'm just curious for my for my own reasons now. I mean, where does he stand his, with, his, with the his, la- his lady? His lady friend and he are uh-huh. re-enrolled back at Chicago State University. They'll be going to school in the fall. He has a new job. He he is examining the possibility of a lawsuit with McDonald for wrongful termination. But they are healing. They are um, they're a loving couple. I went to the funeral, and I saw how they treated each other. I saw him, and I I, I love telling this story. They had a balloon launch for six-day-old Naeem. And there was a muddy patch at the cemetery where the grieving mom with heels and still a little weary and crying couldn't walk over this muddy patch to get to where the balloon launch was. My mentee, who had his military fatigues on, who put his outstanding cadet award in his six-day-old son's coffin, Mm. along with his name tag from his uniform, and put it in the coffin and buried with his son. He lifted up the grieving mother and carried her in his arms over to the balloon launch. Mm. He held her while they did the balloon launch. Now, you tell me, Pudgy, am I not supposed to stand up for that kid? He's wearing a military uniform honoring that woman and honoring his son. Am I not supposed to stand up for that kid when I have an opportunity? Are we not supposed to stand for for young people like that and then hope we can help turn other young people around to get to being at that point in time again? I I think you did everything possible, man. I, I, I mean... Man, I'm speechless on that because, it, you know, it 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 lives, man. It it lives where we live and beyond, Lenny. It's like, you know, we turn a blind eye to when it's black on black hate or black on black discrimination, and you know, folks just don't really want to get involved with that, and and that bothers me, man, because those shots ring out the loudest, you know. 
especially in our right right within our own communities, those shots ring out the loudest. But you don't hear anybody talking about what we need to do to prevent that. But you do hear about the gangs. We need to stop the gangs. We need to stop this. We need to stop racial discrimination. But you don't hear anything about within our own community. Meanwhile, there are there 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 are TV shows that are making countless dollars on exposing or or just showing black on black crime and and they're making money off of it. You're absolutely correct, and and more so, it's 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 an attack on our moral fiber. That's what it really boils down to as well. It's, it's an attack on the moral fiber of the nation. It's an attack on the moral fiber of each individual set of communities. I mean, you think about this. We're, we're talking about black family. We're talking about definition of marriage. We're talking about uh, what it means to be an American and what it means to be, to be Americans that can debate each other, that have opposing views on different types of issues, but doing it in a way we don't hate each other, where we still respect each other, we still help each other grow as people, even if we disagree on specific issues. We have lost the ability to do that. And when you can't do that any longer, how can you rise up? How can you sit there and look at the dysfunction in a community and say, this is how you resolve this? Because there's no trust. If there's no trust, there's no love. If there's no love, then how do, you, how do you rise above something where there's no hope, where there's despair, where there are no resources? Black people rose up above Jim Crow without resources and without the law on their side because they had love, they had God, and they had persistence. Mm-hmm. Once, with those three things, they went and got the education, which means they learned the law, which means they were able to, to use the law that existed and challenge the lower courts, challenge the lower sets of laws, challenge the lower law, and allow the Constitution to break through the stranglehold of Jim Crow, Jim Crow at the local and state levels. But you've got to have love, you have to have persistence, and you've got to have God. Well, if you look at what we have in our communities with our young people, whether it's young black people or young people overall across this nation, for the most part, all three of those elements don't exist anymore. If you look at Generation X, we have a void of real leadership because nobody loves America enough to stand up and be uncomfortable. Like I was saying before, yeah. you know, I miss I miss WVO, and I you know I had an opportunity to talk to some of my colleagues as recently as Friday, mm-hmm. and they miss me and I miss them. The listening audience misses me and I miss them. Now, of course, I'll you know I'll be on WGN here. 7.20 a.m. this evening doing an interview. I've been on other outlets. I appreciate coming on your show today. People are hearing me. They still see me on CNN. They still read my articles in the Chicago Defender. They saw me on blackconservative.tv yesterday. They will see me and hear me there. Um, as far as the breaking news, we are working on negotiations where I may be appearing on the Tea Party Express bus from California down to the Tampa Florida debate in September, mm-hmm. so we're hoping to work that out. So people from California all the way down on that tour may have an opportunity to meet me, be interviewed by me, and hear me give some speeches during that recent um, Tea Party Express tour coming up. So there are still things going on, but it is uncomfortable building up an audience for a year, making friends, and building and having that interaction. It's uncomfortable to have my name out there in the media, both with the attacks and the way this job has gone down, even with all the support, it's so uncomfortable to have people know that this is what transpired. But I have to love people, and I have to love what's right more than I love 
you know, being comfortable, having a title, having a name. And we need more people that do that. Not that I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, but there are people that have more resources, that have more status, that have more influence, that need to love people more. And when we get that, which I think it's coming, when we get that, that's when America changes. That's when the, the, the nature of politics changes at the state local and federal levels. That's when social leaders start rising up and they're more than just talking heads. That's when people start trusting leaders again and start looking up to people as strong examples of what we need in America and then they're inspired to be something themselves. You know, that's something I was just going to ask you too. Do do you feel like you know our black leaders because of because of some of the choices that they've made that the media has blown up out of proportion or or if they were relevant, you know, pushed to the forefront. But do you think that, just speaking on the black community now, do you think that we just don't trust the so-called quote-unquote black leaders anymore? Do you think we just don't trust them, Lenny? In a lot of ways, we don't trust them. In a lot of ways, it boils down to we're fighting, we're fighting a game that we're using the strategy from the 1960s and it's 2011. It would be like the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers beat my Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl, and I'm still not real happy about that. <laughs> but with that said, with that said, if the if Lombardi's Packers played my Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl, the Steelers would have blown them out. Here's why: the Steelers can stop the run. What did the Green Bay Packers generally do in the 1960s? They did the Packers sweep. Yeah. But if you look at the defense, you know, were they going to be equipped to deal with four wide receiver sets? No were they going to be equipped? with spreading out the offense, do they have the foot speed to deal with any modern offense? No. You have to adapt your strategy. You have to adapt your resources, and you have to take different approaches. We are fighting the racial inequalities of America with a 1960s script. We're scripting right out of the mid-1960s, and it's 2011, and those leaders, and I, I say this, I don't disparage anybody from Reverend Jackson Sr. to Louis Farrakhan to Tavis Smiley to Cornell West. But most of those folks are at least 50 years old. Some of them mm-hmm. are over 60 years old. And if yeah. you look at Reverend Jackson, he's 69, and Farrakhan's going on 80. They cannot be the leadership because they can't talk to the 25-year-old. They cannot interact with that 25-year-old and inspire that 25-year-old in a way that we need to be inspired. And furthermore, if they're not living that lifestyle anymore. You know, I'm one of the few leaders that are that are out here right now, and I, I, I use that term disparagingly. People are calling people call me a leader now, and I I view myself as a leader because I love people, but not sure. because out of the type of self-importance. But in this regard, it, it's significant to think about. I'm one of the few that can ride a limo from my home to the Chicago Tribune Tower to go on CNN at. 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. That's where I'm sitting at right now before my WGN interview. And then later on in the day, can go ride a CTA bus with homeless people. Yeah. And feel just as comfortable and have people interact with me in both spots and me get it in both areas. When you have black leaders that can't do that anymore or won't do that anymore, how much can they relate to the people? If they're more inclined to rub elbows at the White House than they are down at the frat house, or when they're walking past the crack house. Hell, at the liquor house, how man. <laughs> how can they change that, Budgie? How are they going to really be able to change it? If they can't come to the everyday situation anymore. Now, granted, you know, if you're 
at a certain status in life and you're 65 years old, you probably aren't going to feel comfortable walking into a frat house on a Thursday night and talk to, to guys or ladies at a sorority house and talk on the real. I get that. But every movement in America was led by younger people from the 1960s all the way back to the Revolutionary War. I mean, Thomas Jefferson wasn't rolling around here 80 years old in a wheelchair. And people, they, they forget those facts. They forget who changed the Civil War. I mean, even if you look at who was infused into that, Lincoln was not an, an 80-year-old guy that was assassinated. You look at the people that fought that war, that was fought by young people. You look at the slaves that fought that war. Those were young men that fought as freed slaves to help make sure that the North beat the South and ended slavery. People forget that every single movement in America that really uplifted something came from a young generation between the ages of roughly 25 and 50 that had the mindset, the energy, and the intuition to move things forward. We have a void now that we have to fill. I, I, I think we do have a void. Hey, Lenny, uh, just real quick, I'm, I'm going to go to a couple of callers. I, I have about 30 on here, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to okay. get a couple that's been on here for a very long time. Um, I got an unknown caller. We don't have an area code for you, but caller, you on the air with uh, Pudgy and Lenny. Okay, we're going to another caller here. We're going to go to a caller out of the 843, uh, last three digits, 112. Caller, you are on the air. 712, I apologize. Uh, Lenny, it's your Southern Belle here down in Beaufort, South Carolina. <laughs> how are you doing today, Anna? Hopefully I'll be getting down to Beaufort, South Carolina on the Tea Party Express bus. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine, and I did. I put a label on the box to mail up to your wife, Lanny. It's on the box, and, and actually there's two jars. There's not just uh, the peach butter, but I put also mint jelly in there for you, too. Well, yeah, he has a wonderful surprise coming. We're going to enjoy that. Oh, yeah, well, you can, you got to understand, Pudgy, you know, we, we, we make sure that we make friends all across the nation. The good reason for that is because you get care packages from the great folks down south, the great folks down in South Carolina. Well, let me introduce myself. I'm Annie. I'm Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm also the founder for the Buford Tea Party and Webmaster. Beautiful. Here Thank in South Carolina. Glad to have you on the show. Glad to have you. Now, Lenny, I, I was listening to you, and I was glad that you were telling about the uh, thing with McDonald's because Lenny had been on my show previously. I think it was just a couple of days after you had uh, you and yes, WVON had split. Yeah, and um, it, it is a very, very powerful story. And what I find amazing is, is as things happen in the news and everything else, more and more conservatives are coming out of the woodwork of all different backgrounds, be they Asian, black, Hispanic. People that were afraid to speak in the past are now stepping forward. Before, they always considered it was just the white old man's movement, and it's not. And people such as you, Pudgy, and uh, Lenny, and um, Dr. C. Jones, and so on and so forth, are coming out. And a friend of mine went up on Facebook today, uh, and she turned around, and she said, some guy walked up to her and said, are you really a black female conservative. She goes, no, I was made by Mattel. Oh, my God. Wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> so, Lenny, you're made by Mattel, but I hope you're not made in China. <laughs> I think I'm made in America. I'm pretty certain about that one. That's for sure. <laughs> right here in America. <laughs> 
So actually, I really look forward to you. I hope you really do get that seat on the TP Express because uh, I'm working on the flyers and everything else for that right now. And we've got everything going on for here. It's going to be an absolute fantastic rally when you come here September 10th. Yep, tell tell us about the September 10th rally, if you don't mind, real quick for a second. Uh, well, uh, Tea Party Express has had a rally in the past with us back in uh, November at, um, a year ago or so. And now they contacted me to do another one, and I hooked up with the Bluffton Tea Party. Beaufort County has three areas, Hilton Head, Bluffton, and northern Beaufort County. I reached out to Bluffton to try to increase the crowd because it's en route going down I-95 where you need to go, Lenny, to go down to Tampa for the presidential uh, debate two days later. And we're going to have a fantastic rally at 12 o'clock involving these two tea parties. Um, Lenny's going to be there. There's going to be, uh, I'm sure, Lloyd Marcus is going to be on the bus with you. And Lloyd, is he's a pisser. He is an absolute pisser. Uh, fantastic musician. And he's got a, an interesting background, too, just like you, Lenny. Um, it's going to be an absolutely awesome, awesome rally. Great. It, it well, sounds I'm beautiful. Looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to us getting through these negotiations, and hopefully I have an opportunity to be on the bus. I have an opportunity to speak there, and I'll be able to do some things for TV as well. So, Annie, thanks for giving us a call. I, I appreciate hearing from you again. You know I'll catch up to you soon. Yeah, and don't forget, I put up I, – I gave you the video from when you did our Tea Party speech here a year ago uh, with uh, Judge Murray Silver. And that was a great – he's a great guy as well. So I'm looking forward we, – we'll have to make sure we get that back out there so people can have an opportunity to check that out. Fantastic. Love you, Lenny, and give my love to your wife, too. I will love you, too, and you take care of yourself. I'll see you soon, hopefully, all right? All right. Look forward to it. Thanks, Annie. Right. That, that's Annie from uh, Southern Bell Tea Party, if I'm not mistaken. Is that is that correct, Lenny? Southern Sense, and she is from the Buford Tea Party down in Buford, South Carolina, where we're going to – if I'm on the Tea Party Express, I will be stopping through there September 10th. Great. Hope, hope to hear from Annie later. B.I.G. in my book, you know, for hitting us up on the show and also dropping a couple, giving us about, you know, an event that's coming up real soon. Lenny, man, you know, you've been a busy guy, man. And, you know, we've talked about a few things, you know, off the air real real brief. And I've seen some things that's been going on with you. But let me ask you, man, from, from a regular standpoint, because there's a lot of people out there who care, I think, right? But folks don't know how to get involved. And there are a lot of folks that are that are that are truly scared to get involved from from you know what I gather you know when I talk to people I ask them what are you doing in your own community because you know folks are frightened about the you know the actions that are come that will come back against them when they finally speak out or how they're going to be viewed. What kind of advice do you have for for folks that want to get involved but just don't know how? Research online. Make sure they're learning about the issues. As they learn about the issues, they'll have an opportunity to hone their positions, and then from there their research will lead them to people that have a like-mindedness with them. And then from there, love liberty, love life more than you love the things in your life. That's really key. I mean, we as Americans love the things in our life more than we love life. We take too many liberties for granted, and we take each other for granted. At some point in time, once you get involved, the view of the world is going to change. Don't be afraid of that. Your value system is going to change once you get involved. 
Don't be afraid of that. Embrace it. Pay attention to it. Learn from everybody around you, even those that you perceive as being your enemies. They can teach you things. Maybe there are things that you'll never follow, but they can teach you things. And as we move forward in this development through these hard times in America, it is absolutely critical and vital for us to learn from as many sources as possible so that as we're honing down our strategies to improve our communities, to improve our nation, we're in a position to pay attention, to implement, to apply, and subsequently progress through to where we're trying to get to. I mean, there it is right there, folks. I mean, I, I frankly, I think all you have to do is open your mouth, you know, frankly. I, I think that if you make a new relationship with the friend next to you, start talking about the issues, start talking about how you feel about things, you'll come to find out that a lot of people are willing to do something, uh, you know, whether it's write a letter or make a phone call. But I think folks are willing to do something. And it's time that we all get involved and that we all start doing something, man, in the name of Christ and in the name of our community. You know, we need to stand up for what's right, regardless of how we're being viewed or how folks look at us. I, I think it's very important that we do that. And I commend you, my brother, for doing that. My, my Frederick Douglass brother, and my, my conservative brother and my brother in Christ, man, I, re I really appreciate all you do. I, I promise I do. Pudgy, I appreciate it very, very much. I, you know, Anybody that wants to continue to get in touch with me, they can find me on Facebook. They can find me on Twitter at L-E-N-N-Y-H-H-R. They can find me on Facebook. You know, If they want to, um, actually we're going to republish a second edition of Diary of a Mad Black PYC, Proud Young mm -hmm. Conservative. We are going to put that on Amazon. We'll be having that available hopefully by the end of August. So um, go check that out as well. And if you get a chance to catch me on the Tea Party Express tour, if we get everything worked out, I'll sign the book. I'll take a picture with you. And I will mostly encourage you to get involved in your community in order to help take back America for all Americans and, and really get back to being a united state of America. Lenny McAllister, folks, there it is. I wish I had a round of applause. I don't too poor for that, but I'll clap for you right here. Shout out to you, brother. Hey, when you get to the Carolinas, man, make a phone call, and we must do lunch. We'll get up. We'll do some things together. I hope so. I'll call on you again, and you, you're also welcome to call on me at any time. I will travel. Pudgy, I appreciate it. God bless you all, and thank you for the opportunity to be on your show this evening. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Lenny. I appreciate you coming through. Folks, Lenny McAllister holding it down, PYC. I mean, the man is the man is extraordinary, man. He does some beautiful things out here. You can catch him also every Saturday, every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. CNN doing a segment there. He's all over the place. Make sure you add him on Facebook, on Twitter. We're all over the place. Also, make sure you add us at NC Pudgy is me on Facebook at KRP Radio Show on Twitter. Also, you can catch us on YouTube. That's YouTube backslash KRP Radio Show. I got to go to a commercial, folks, because. I didn't pay any bills in the first half, but you know what? I think folks understand because what we're doing, is, it's bigger than life, man. It's, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than any commercial. You know what I mean? It's just it's B.I.G. Shout out to everybody listening to the show, man. Y'all rocking with us. 619-638-8559.
Hey, it's if it's Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. and you got nothing to do, I want you to make some time. Grab your slippers, get your robe on, get some comfortable clothes on, leave your rollers in your hair, and get cozy, real cozy, with a drink in your computer. If you've ever been to a coffee shop before, this is a coffee shop you've never seen before right in the comfort of your own home. Late Night Mike, every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m., starring your host, Katrina Watkins, poet extraordinaire, and the host, Act Right, my man, holds it down. The purely poetic Late Night Mike poetry show. Hey, if you wanted some good poetry in your life, make sure you log on to www.blogtalkradio.com backslash purely dash poetic. Sound Shoe, the number one online music tournament, encompasses seven different genres, including hip-hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to SoundChew.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists, then Vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com, the number one online music tournament. Do you have a garage full of old junk? At least you think it's old junk. How about a storage that you've been paying the bill on for so long and you've just been moving stuff into and you're ready to get rid of it when you look at it all the time? Well, if you do, make sure you contact Faulkner's Antiques before you throw it away. Again, that's Faulkner's Antiques out of Burlington, North Carolina. Faulkner's will pay you top dollar for estates, sterling, old furniture, pottery, signs, old toys, and etc. Faulkner's Antiques, they specialize in some of the most prolific antiques in this part of eastern North Carolina or the USA. So make sure you contact Wayne Prophet at Faulkner's Antiques, 336-214-6427. Again, that's Wayne Prophet. That's the man you want to talk to at Faulkner's Antiques, 336-214-6427. And if you get a hold of Wayne, guess what? He'll come to you free of charge. And if you can't get to him at that number, make sure you dial this other number, 336-675-4897. And don't forget, Wayne Prophet at Faulkner's Antiques says, don't forget the reason for the season. WMMG, home of the KIRP radio show, baby. We are now 100,000 listeners strong, and it's all because of you. If you want more information about KIRP radio show, hit us up online. You can visit the website at www.kirpradioshow.com. Again, that's www.kirpradioshow.com. If you're logging online and you're on some social sites, Make sure you hit us up and like our page on Facebook. That's Facebook.com backslash KIRP Radio Show. Add yourself to the page. You can leave a comment. You can talk about the topics, and we'll try our best to get them all and read them off on the show. And if you're also on Twitter, send us a tweet 
at symbol K-I-R-P radio show and you can hit up the host and that's me that's Pudgy at symbol N-C Pudgy like I said we are now over 100,000 listeners strong and it's all because of you baby we started out November 28th 2010 and now we're taking it through 2011 and beyond we are the k-i-r-p radio show and if you don't know what that stands for that's keeping it real with pudgy baby if you want more information about emailing or you want information about advertising or you want to know where we're going to be here and there hit us up k-i-r-p radio at gmail.com or wmmg 500 at gmail.com and someone will get back to you as soon as possible. Like I said, it's all because of you, baby. 100,000 listeners strong and we're going on from here. I appreciate you and one love. Radio show, and we are back after that long commercial break. I know, I know, I know. It is what it is, though, folks. Got to pay some kind of bills. Folks pay to play. So, you know, got to play some commercials. Um, you just listened to Lenny McAllister, CNN. My man was holding it down. Lenny McAllister is a talented public speaker, writer, author, rising leader. Um, you know, you name it, that's what he does, man. He's the author of a book called Diary of a Mad Black PYC, which is a young I'm sorry, proud young conservative. Um, among other things, you can also catch him on CNN every Saturday morning. Man, just look for him all over the place. Just Google him. Do whatever you got to do. You know, if you want to listen to the show, for the folks who just logged in, if you want to listen to the show online, maybe you're on your cell phone. I see we got a bunch of callers here right now. Um, 619-638-8559 is the number. Also, www.krpradioshow.com is the website. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com backslash krpradioshow. Hit us up, man. Let us know what you think. You know, we talk about what happened on the show after the show or all through the week or, you know, whenever you can listen to the show, man, you know, just log in, tune in with us. You can also catch us on a delayed broadcast Wednesday nights on Los Angeles uh, WMMG 500 through 1600 AM. It's a 1,000-watt station. I'm not sure how many folks can listen to the broadcast, but please do. And also Washington, D.C., um, 560 through 1600 AM radio on your radio dial. Check us out. You, anytime you want to log on to the website and just listen to the show, play it back, just scroll down. It will play automatic for you. This week we're talking about black-on-black crime, folks. And, you know, Lenny just dropped some jewels. I don't know, you know, how many folks just heard it. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen again. But he just dropped some jewels, man. And, you know, we got to do something about this, folks. We we need to do something about all the black-on-black crime that's going on. It has been going on for centuries, and it's going to continue until we step up and rise up against all that crime and start speaking out about it. It appalls me that we'll march and we'll talk about some things when it don't when it's not concerning on black on black crime when it's concerning white on black crime or 
or anybody in black crime, we always got something to say about it. We're ready to march about it. We're ready to make a move or a movement. And, you know, a lot of people will just put their two cents in without knowing the whole story. They'll jump right in and, you know, start making a, a big statement about what's going on when it's not black on black crime. And I'm curious to know, so I'm asking all you folks, you know, what can we do about it? How can we speak out about it? And why aren't we outraged about our own killing our own? I mean, that's nothing to say about any other race. You know, no disrespect to anybody else who are going through the same thing or any other races are going through the things. But right now I'm talking about black on black crime because those shots ring out the loudest. Um, before we get into the next segment of the show, we got to go to it. Well, it's time for our stretching our budget segment. You know, we always talking about saving a little bit of capital, saving a couple dollars. So I'm going to bring the person who's an expert at that. Charlotte WMMG family, also author and creator of StretchingYourBudget.com. You can find her on Twitter and you can also find her on Facebook. I'm going to bring Charlotte on the air right now and see what kind of jewels she has for us this week. Charlotte, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing, Peggy? I'm having a good week. I think um, little 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 emotional though, you know, hearing the story that Lenny just gave us just a few minutes ago. I don't know if you heard that, but um, how are you doing this week, Charlotte? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I've been very busy this week. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, you're always very busy putting so many hours into that <laughs> website. But you know what? You do it for the people, so you know you big in our book. You know what I mean? That's right. That's what I want to do it for. So what you got for us this week, Charlotte? The floor is yours. Okay, well, this week, um, if you haven't been tuning in, if this is your first time, um, we've been going over the basics of how to coupon. Um, we covered four steps. Uh, I'll just show those really quick for you, those of you who missed it. Um, but basically, your four goals in couponing is to um, buy an item that's on sale and use a coupon so you maximize your savings. You want to stockpile the items that you use most. You want to start a budget if you don't have one. If you do have one, tweak it to include your new uh, grocery budget. And you also want to um, organize your coupons so that you don't get frustrated. <laughs> um, so um, just this week, I want to just kind of go into a little more depth on couponing um, and talk to you about some tips that might help you as you go along, um, you know, with your couponing journey. Um, as you're starting out, it can be overwhelming and a little bit frustrating. Um, I always say, I was actually just talking to somebody at church this morning about it, but you have to give um, it two months. When you're starting out, it's just like a number. I don't know why I say two months, um, but it's just like something quick. You know, it's, you start to get it. Your stockpile is built after about two months. Um, you start seeing the savings. So for those of you that have been doing it um, the last few weeks that uh, we've been talking about it and you're you're starting to get frustrated or you're not really seeing the savings, don't give up. Continue everything that you're doing and um, you'll start to see the impact in your um, family's budget. So a few just little tips. We'll, we'll do some this week and I'll go into a little more depth with some, like, um, number one questions next week that I always have. So there might be questions you might have, too, so make sure you listen in. Um, but basically, you want to um, prepare your list before you go. I find that people do the best. Um, when I say the best, they save the most money when they're shopping if they've prepared in advance. We've kind of touched on this a little bit um, in the past, but I just want to go into depth a little bit more. Um 
but you want to prepare your shopping list. Now, if you're not computer savvy, which I understand not everybody is, that's okay, um, you can do it the old school way and take the ads that come out on the paper. Most grocery stores sales start on Wednesday, and they will run that same sale all the way through Tuesday of the next week. So um, you can, you know, in Wednesday's paper, you'll get that sales flyer that comes in the um, paper. Open that out. Circle the items that you want um, that are on sale. Even if you don't coupon or let's say you haven't really, you know, decided that this is for you, but you are wanting to, you know, um, impact your budget by some way, save money on your groceries, a quick way to start saving instantly is just to start buying what item is on sale. So, um, you know, our moms, our grandmas, everybody's taught us how to go grocery shopping um, is to make your meal plan and then go shop. In the couponing world, we do it reverse. <laughs> um, so your goal is to start buying based on what is on sale. So a quick way to impact your budget and your savings in your grocery budget is to open up that sales flyer every week, look at the items that are on sale, and then decide to buy those items and make your meals based off what's on sale. Um, I know it's, it's awkward and backwards from what we've been taught for centuries, but um, I promise you that just that little team change in starting to plan your stuff based on what's on sale will make a huge impact. So um, that was a little off topic, but that's just a quick way to save. So, um, you know, if you are computer savvy, I do all of the hard work for you. Um, I do all of the matchups, so I take everything that's on sale and match that up with a coupon. So if you are tech savvy and if you're not, I would encourage you to dive into a little bit just because it will save you some time. Um, so just prepare your shopping list. Um, and as you're starting out, it's not a bad idea to pull your coupons before you go so that you're, you're not sidetracked with everything that's just like candy aisle in front of you. <laughs> um, so the next thing that I like to say is um, to have fun. Um, but with that, you know, it can be a little bit frustrating. So that's why I say make it fun. My husband and I actually sometimes, this is really sad, I know I'm embarrassed to admit it, but on our dates we will, you know, split up and I'll give him a list and I'll take a list because I have to get my grocery shopping done so we make it fun. And we'll compete to see who actually can save the most. So whatever you have to do to make it enjoyable, because I know not everybody likes to grocery shop, you, you just need to find that avenue. Um, but one thing I like to tell um, people that are in my classes um, is to print a store coupon policy. It's important to do that because um, most cashiers are not brought up to date with their store policies, and you just don't want to have any confusion while you're trying to check out. Um, so it's really a good idea to take the policy with you, especially when you're starting out, um, just so that there's no confusion on your end or on the cashier's end. Um, keep in mind, too, that prices vary by store location. Um, a lot of people get frustrated and they're like, um, you know, I went to the store and it said it was this price and you said it was this price. Um, but unfortunately, every single store's prices can differ. We have a store in, um, that I usually go to, and two minutes down the road is the exact same store and they have different prices. So 
just keep that in the back of your mind. Crunch the numbers while you're there. Make sure it's still a good deal if that price is off. Um, also know that you can't get every deal. Um, I know starting out when you're couponing and you start to get these really good deals, it's easy to say, you know, I need to go to every single store and get all these deals. But you're going to get overwhelmed and burn out and then give up. So please, please, please um, just pick one store, tackle that. Um, when I mean by tackle that, I, I like to tell people to learn their management in that store, learn the cashiers, learn their policies, learn how they handle things. Um, it, it just really makes your life so much simpler. Um, so I can't stress that enough. Um, and then, you know, make sure, and I've touched on this before, but I, I like to emphasize it, um, make sure you shop at a store that's going to maximize your savings. Um, you know, if you go to a store that doesn't double those manufacturer coupons every day, you're missing out on that that extra savings. So make sure that, um, you know, you think about that before you go. A lot of people say, um, you know, I don't want to drop names, but Foodline doesn't double coupons. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's so convenient. I live right by it. This would just be perfect and easy. But easy is not always budget-friendly. <laughs> so if you really do want to save money, you might have to put some effort in. And that might mean driving a little bit further just to um, maximize those savings. Um, another quick little tip, um, I know it's hard to cram all this stuff in, but, um, you know, don't be brand-specific. This is like a huge thing for most people. Um, you would be surprised, and I'm sure you all probably feel the same way. But um, when I teach classes, you know, I always have somebody say, I love, love, love this product. Most of the time it's Tide Laundry Detergent. I'm not really sure why. But, um, you know, they're like, I can't live without this. This is the only thing that I use. Um, but you'll be surprised when you actually do try another item that they're all about the same. They just have a different name brand on them. Um, so the good thing about couponing, though, is that you always get name brand products. I don't ever have to buy generic ever again. Um, so I'm not sacrificing on, um, you know, generic versus name brand stuff. But I do um, try really hard to um, get products that might not be the same brand that I'm used to. But if it's cheaper, I'm willing to try it. Um, I actually give a scenario. My husband probably kills me for this, but he um, is a huge Gillette deodorant person, and um, he he never wanted to use anything other than that. That was like his one thing. So I found Right Guard deodorant one time for free, and um, I was like, here, just try it. And it was the exact same thing. The only thing that was different was the label. <laughs> so um, now I get free deodorant versus having to pay $4. So I just really would encourage you to keep that in the forefront of your mind when you go to the store. Um, if it's free or really cheap, try it. If you don't like it, give it to somebody else. More than likely, somebody in your house or family member will use it. Um, so just keep those little quick tips in your mind. I know these things sound simple, but, you know, everywhere that you can impact is important. So even if it's a little thing here and there, um, once you put it all together, the savings really do become um, key. So those are the main things. If you want more tips, you can feel free to check our website out at www.stretchingyourbudget.com 
like Pudgy said, we're on Twitter, www.twitter.com forward slash stretch your budget. That's S-T-R-T-C-H-U-R-B-U-D-G-E-T. Or you can find us on Facebook. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash stretching your budget. We have tons of tips listed there. I know I can't get them all in, but we will definitely go into more detail next week, so make sure you tune in. That was a good try, though. You you tried to get them all in, I think. I'm trying to cram it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you talking fast on that. Charlotte, I just, I just want to say real quick that um, I'm not taking your deodorant, but I'll take anything <laughs> else that you get for free that you don't like, <laughs> and if I don't like it, I'll pass it on to somebody else, too. How about that? <laughs> that sounds great. That I can definitely do that. I, but, you know, that's the one thing about couponing. Mm-hmm. The real thing that I love is that I can give away. You know, so many people don't have. And one thing that people, you know, a lot of my readers and um, people that attend classes are like, oh, well, there's so many items that I just don't use or, you know, how can I save and there's nothing that I really use, you know. And I'm like, you might not use it, but if it's free, somebody needs it. No doubt. So, you know? um, I, yeah, I just love to just throw that in there. But please, please, please think about other people when you're there and give uh, things even if you don't need it. I mean, all it takes you is walking in the store and picking it up. It doesn't cost you a penny. So that's my little soapbox for tonight. <laughs> no doubt, Charlotte from WMMG Family, stretchingyourbudget.com. You guys, she puts a lot of work into these tips that she give us, and I promise you, if you just put a little bit of, little bit of, just a little bit of effort into what she's saying, it would definitely pay off from pennies to dollars to tens of dollars in your pocket. I promise you, I've done it, and I'm a witness, and you know that's what we do. Charlotte, any shout outs before you go, love? Well, I don't, I don't really have a shout out, but I do have a little, I want to throw in here. Um, but we have just. Uh, adopted a military base and I'm not sure if any of you are aware but um, you military families that live overseas can use expired coupons up to six months past their expiration date so for those of you that get coupons and you don't ever use them um, we are going to be sending those overseas to help bless other people so um, any of you guys that uh, don't use your coupons or you throw them away every week, please, please, please come on our website. I'm going to have the um, mailing address up. You can mail them to us, and we are going to be sending those overseas. So that's kind of my little shout-out, I guess, help no us doubt. people. We'll get that posted on the site, too, so so all the folks out there who want to be involved with that, um, look forward on the krpradioshow.com site, also on the stretchingyourbud.com site. We'll try to get those up sometime next week as soon as – Tuesday, folks. So we got to get on the ball, Charlotte. Make sure you get get in contact with us so we can get that all done. Okay. Definitely, definitely. All right. God bless you. Appreciate you coming on the show, and we are out. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for stretchingyourbudget.com. Like I said, man, she puts in a lot of time and a lot of love into what she does. I'm gonna go right over to Sonny Johnson because we went over on our time just a little bit, but I'm gonna go right over to Sonny Johnson. Normally with the segment called Full Negro Dialect, but we're gonna chop it up about a couple things really quick because I know Sonny has another engagement. Is that correct? Hello? Sonny, what's up? What's up, P? Always here, man, holding you down, holding the show down. You know how we do. All right. Well, I did have a topic for you and um I'll make it real quick because, like I said, every morning 
I wake up and I think I got to do your show, and God put something in my head, so I just want to go ahead and say it. I love it. Go ahead. You got it. So this morning he put in my head two simple words, reflection and deflection. So I had a little story, a little advice about reflection and deflection. Now, what most of us do is we can find an excuse, especially using our illustrious president as a guide, that we can find an excuse for everything, to blame someone else for everything. But very rarely do we look at ourselves and find our own mistakes and the problems that um, that we have to, that we are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And that's because we always like to deflect instead of reflect. So I want to break it down into WHWD to give you a kind of example from each one to let you know what I mean. So for he, it's how we pray. All right, a lot of us, instead of praying for our own strength, we pray for the downfall of someone else. You know, if my boss would just do this, if, if you know, if um, the man at the store had just let me buy that, it's always a reason or something that we can put something off on, and we <laughs> usually do it in our prayers. Oh, yeah. And the story I heard about this woman, she um, had her husband, and... He had gotten a horrible car accident and got addicted to pain pills. And when they tried to wean him off the pain pills, he needed that substitute, so they put him. So he began to drink, and he became a very bad alcoholic. Wow. So one day, um, some of the lady's friends came over after her husband had had an accident and fell down the steps and broke his hip. And they asked her how she was doing, and she said, I'm praying, and I'm praying every day. And there's and um, her friends replied, "Well, we're praying for him too. We're praying for his strength." And she said, "That's not what I pray for." And they looked very puzzled. And she said, "What I pay for, I pray for the strength to help him through this. I pay for the strength to stand by his side till he returns to the man that he was. I pray for my own personal strength." And that is reflection instead of deflection. Instead of being mad at God for circumstance, you actually are praying to God for your own strength. Wow. For hood, it would be every single um, person you know that can blame mama, they can blame daddy, they can look back into their past and have someone to blame, but this person never reflects back on the one that fed them when they were hungry, that clothed them when they didn't have clothes, or they gave them shoes when their feet were sore. They never look back and reflect on all the good things that were there and those things which they remember about the people who gave when they had very little to give and cared when no one else did. So it, when, you, when you're in a constant mode of deflection, you forget to look at the good that has happened in your life when you need to do an actual reflection. For hip hop, I want to throw in one of my one of the hottest songs I think is out right now, and I I I, I, I rag Little Wayne so much, but I love this song, How to Love, because what he does is he gives a, a what I would say a deflection. Mm-hmm. Personally, because of the song, is he came out with a female song, even though everything else he does is very, very misogynist, in my opinion. Yep. But nonetheless, okay. nonetheless, he comes out and he deflects with a good reflection of another female, and he tells her story, and he and he kind of opens it up to her at how she should look at it. Now, in our normal everyday, this female that he's talking about in the song. 
is the one that says all men are dogs. Uh, there are no good men, you know, uh, that that constantly rag and dog men. And it's because they never take the time to look at how they've been hurt and how that hurt has affected them. And so instead they deflect and go into blaming every man around them for their problems. And the last one would be history. And this would be in the sense of like when a black like one of us, a conservative, comes up to you and try to tell you the evils of the Democratic Party. And instead of saying, oh, that's something I didn't know, let me reflect, let me research, you deflect and say, Uncle Tom, uh, call you out, you know, call us out our name. But how is that helping you? If you don't know whether we're right or wrong and your only resort is to call us names, then you are deflecting, not reflecting on what it is, the information that we have tried to share with you, and you're not even putting your own introspect in to see that if to see if it's true. This is the contradiction of Liberalville. This is one of the main purposes of full Negro dialect. It is to say that we have every single skill that we need if we take the time to look at the good that we have. While we are faced with so much bad, so much death, so much joblessness, while we have drug abuse, while we have this, uh, a, a large amount of sexual abuse that happens, especially amongst young girls in the black mm-hmm. community, there are so many bad things for us to deflect on. But there are so many good things for us to reflect on. Those, your best friends that always have your back, your family that that even when you fall and struggle and do wrong will still stand up for you. You always have good, but you cannot see the good in your reflection if you are constantly deflecting. Wow. Hello, Sonny, you still with me? Yes, sir. Okay, I was just making sure I didn't, I heard it, heard complete silence for a minute. You know something? I don't. I don't think that I I look in the mirror myself a lot of times and I reflect personally. I think I do a lot of deflecting myself as well as most of us. Um, You know, and that kind of goes with what the topic of the show today is. You know, we're talking about black-on-black violence or black-on-black crime. Why aren't we outraged when it's black-on-black crime versus when it's anything in black crime or anything in black injustice? And, you know, we don't do the marches for what's going on in our own neighborhoods, the crime and the violence and the sexual abuse and the disease and, you know, you name it, the things that are going on right before our eyes. It's almost at that we we deflect about it, Sonny. We we blame it on anybody in, in the world but ourselves. And, and you know, what it actually is is a, is a total abandonment of self-responsibility. And the dangerous part in it is, it, in it is when you lose your, self, um, your self-responsibility, you lose your will, you lose your drive, you lose your self-confidence because you don't trust those things which you know to be true. And that is the most dangerous thing. It's like the idea of of the snake. And you have the snake and the snake lives with you and then one day the snake bites you and you're like, why did you bite me? Because I'm a snake. And it's just that simple. We know these things to be true. Snakes bite. (laughs) <laughs> but we will ignore it. We will deflect it. We will we will um, turn our heads in the face of what we absolutely know 
to be true. Right. Kind of yep. fit the the theory that we wish we had. And the cost of this is our black lives. And even if, because if we could look at it with just a little bit of reflection, if we could look at it with just a little bit where we could see the good instead of the bad, yeah. then when we see the bad, it will disgust us. It will anger us. It will get us to a point where we're willing to fight back. But as long as the only thing that we see is evil, then how do you fight against evil when you don't know that it's good on the other side? Mm. And so that's my that's my message, is that the only way we're going to save our community is by first saving ourselves. And the only way we can save ourselves is if we look at ourselves and we are honest with ourselves and we don't deflect. We can understand that maybe other people had... Um, a role in our lives, but they don't define our lives. That is the point that we have to get to. Sonny, let, let me ask you real quick. Do, do you feel like, you know, man, I'm I'm so glad that God, that God put that on your heart to say, and I'm so glad that you said it because I have a question very often that I ask, well, lately I've been asking a lot of people, and is it is it almost, is black-on-black crime accepted in our in our communities now, Sonny? Is it so much accepted that we don't say anything about it, that we just turn a blind eye towards it? No. See, we say something about it. We say something about it when we're amongst each other. We say that's messed up. We say that mothers crying is are, are bad. We say that some of our black brothers aren't worth shit. Excuse my language. These are the things that we say to each other in private. The only problem comes with the contradiction is when you have to match that crime with the policies of the party that created it. When you have to match that crime with the status of the people who say it's not your fault, then it turns from those things that you know to be true, that it's just as easy for a black man to rob you as it is for a white man to rob you. You know it's just that it is more likely that you will be robbed by a black man than you will a white man. You know it to be true, but you will dismiss it for the politics. I'm sorry, that's something that it that it is dangerous because that's that's what we're seeing right now, Sonny, and it man, it, it drives me insane because we'll quickly look at Willie up the street or or so and such and such who has a bad name. We're quick to look at them and say, you know, I'm not messing with them, I gotta watch them. But the meanwhile we stand behind Every black, so-called black, I'm standing for black leaders, I'm standing for black rights, leader that comes along, like the president, who constantly does negative things that will affect us, man, tremendously, and we're quick to stand behind that and defend him when it's people like you and I who are talking about, pay attention, pay attention, that's not right. But it required, that's the only thing is, we required the hard job. It's easy to follow the crowd. It's hard to stand by yourself on what it is you believe in. And before you can come and stand with us, you must basically be able to stand for yourself, and that is the most difficult part. But through reflection is where you find that strength, where you're not praying for the guy down the street or the or the grieving mother 
You are praying for yourself. You are praying that you can have the strength, that your voice can be heard, that you can make a difference. Those are the things that we need to be praying for because those are the reflective things, the things where we look in ourselves to see what we have to offer. That is what we need to be looking for. Well, you know, Sonny, I, I know you got another engagement, man, and, and we're getting wound up, and you know how we do. So we're just going to have to continue this on another week. And uh, I know you got another show to do. Any shout-outs before you go, love? Sonny? Yes? Okay, you got any shout-outs before you go? I know you got you got another engagement here, so I just want to give you the air real quick right before you go to give you shout-outs or your love to anybody you feel like it to. You know I'm always shout-out you, shout-out Kev, and shout-out the rest of everybody's out there who who is using their voice to do something good. You don't have to follow our path. Just make sure you find something within yourself that you find that's worth fighting for. No doubt. Thanks for the shout-out. And you B.I.G. in my book, Sonny. Have a good uh, interview. I don't know what you got going on here, but let us know what's going on. Come back next week with another topic, as always. And, you know, keep pushing buttons out there. Thank you. Have a nice night, T. No doubt. Be blessed. So that's Sonny Johnson. You guys should know her, man. If you don't know who she is, Google her. S-O-N-N-I-E, a.k.a. Star Johnson. Holds it down. She was in Sarah Palin's film, or Steve Bannon's film. She was also uh, beside Michelle Bachman in another film, man. You know, her resume goes on, and she always has the correct message. And she's also, well, we're also, myself and the president of North Carolina, Frederick Douglass Foundation, Kevin Daniels, we're also a part of her organization called FDF. I'm sorry, FND, Full Negro Dialect. And, you know, we're out there, man, and we're trying to do some things, folks. So if you feel like it's something you want to do or that's something you want to say, and I don't I don't care how politically correct you are. I don't care who you're going to offend. I don't care how you say it, when you say it, or how loud you say it. This show right here would at least give you the platform to say what you've been wanting to say or to say what you've been saying to your neighbors that, or, or to say some things you don't feel comfortable talking about. You know what I mean? Because... Everybody has a voice, but the question is, when will you use your voice and for what will you use your voice? I don't know, but, you know, I just I just hope that we can be encouraging to you guys. I hope that the KRP radio show will give you nothing but the truth and the light. And, I mean, it's it's not all about conservative value with, and, and Republicans and Democrats. It's not even about that, man, because there are things that's going on, on on either side of the party and on both sides of the party that I don't agree with, and you can never agree with one thing 100%, but God Almighty, Christ my Lord and Savior, I feel like, I don't know where you guys line up with it, you know, that's your opinion, I have a whole lot of liberal friends, you know what I mean, I have a whole lot of Democratic and Republican friends, me, myself, I'm somewhere in the middle, because frankly, I don't feel like the middle ground is being represented, just like talking about black-on-black crime, I don't understand how we can sit by and allow all the things to happen in our neighborhoods and, you know, we speak about it, oh, Lord, have mercy, this happened, oh, man, I'm, I'm so bad that, I'm so mad that happened, or it shouldn't have been this way. And then, we, you know, we get dressed to go to a party the next week. I mean, let's call it what it is. So we can't continue to turn a blind eye in our own communities. I mean, I, I, I had something on my heart and um, something that's been, been working on me for a long time. And a lot of people probably call me crazy, and, and I got to speak somewhere in a couple of weeks or, or maybe next week, but... I'm going to say this to folks, and, I, and I'll say it here first, but to me, I feel like a black male, right, a black male in society is an endangered species. Now, a lot of people say that, you know, they're not a, they're a, lot, of, they're not a lot of black men on the street. Um, 
you know, the, all the black men are incarcerated. It's not a good black man, this, that, and the third. Well, I feel like we're an endangered species. And the reason I say that is because the the the, the definition of a black father and, and the definition of a black man is so tainted in so many different households and in so many different different lives and so many people's voices. The definition of a black man is tainted. And and when you start talking about a black father, you get these stereotypical definitions like deadbeat or biological father or baby daddy. And, and you know what? I've been sick of it for some time now. Um, I'm nobody's baby daddy. You know what I mean? I'm nobody's biological father, but I'm a dad and I'm a father. And I don't align with all the definitions that a lot of people like to give out there when you come to talk about a black father. But the majority of the people aren't really putting that information out there. The majority of the people aren't really standing up and saying, wait, wait a minute. You ain't going to be calling me out of my name. You know what I mean? A lot of people will stand up when you call them a nigger or when you you call them a cracker or you, you call them, you know, you call them one of these other slang terms or, you know, these words out of your name. But when it comes to a black father, I don't feel like people are defending that the most. But instead, what we get is a lot of a, a lot of people in agreement because of something that they went through or something that they experienced. And I just don't agree with that. So I, I feel like black fathers are an endangered species. Now, when I say that, you got to look at how they categorize animals as being an endangered species. You got to look at the definition. I mean, you, we, we're talking about pandas. You know, people people equate to being an endangered species, but I'm talking about black men who are dying on a daily basis, who are being killed on a daily basis, who are being taken out of their family life or their family structure on a daily basis, who are in prison on a daily basis. Why aren't why why can't we consider the black man being an endangered species and the black community step up and adopt the black man and say no more are we going to be killing each other no more are we going to be or, or, or no more are we going to allow our black man to go to prison no more are we going to allow our black man to be attacked no more are we going to allow our black families to be attacked it's too much of this going on and and that's not black violence in the sense of in the definition of violence but that is black on black crime. It's black on black abuse. And and we don't talk about that enough throughout the United States. We don't talk about that enough in our closed groups. But instead, we talk about these TV shows that are worthless to our kids, that are worthless to our family structure. You know, the things that, that attack us on the low. You know, it changed our whole way of thinking because... Once you once you allow yourself to watch something and to listen to something constantly and consistently, wh why do you think we even go to church, folks? You can worship God from home, but why do you think we go to church? We go to church for that endearment, for that for that extra help, that extra mm, that we need, that extra belief, that extra faith, that feel good, for that encouragement. That's why we go to church because we are around like people to be around like people for encouragement. So we can think different, so we can live different. We don't get that when it comes to black fathers, and we don't get that when it comes to the black community. What do we need to do to get that? We need to adopt the black family. I'm talking about the black community. Don't look for anybody else to do it. Don't look for the federal government to do it. You know, Don't look for the conservatives to do it, the Tea Party to do it, the Republican Party, the Democrat Party to do it. We have to do it. It is up to us because it's affecting us the most. 
um, I, I'm not even going to go to a commercial. I got a, I got a, uh, another show on the line here called The Invisible Conservative Show. Uh, I, I think that's the name of the show. I'm going to bring them on the air, and uh, they've been holding for you know for a good while now. And I'm going to bring them on the air and see what they have to say about it. Invisible, invisible conservative, you're on the line with Pudgy. How are you doing? I'm good, Pudgy. How are you? I'm, I'm good, my brother. I'm glad you I'm glad you called into the show. I'm glad you're here. And, uh, you know, tell the people about, about your show, first of all, before you make a comment, if you don't mind. All right. My show is called The Invisible Conservative. And I call, I call it that because I wanted to take a pot shot at liberals who think that black conservatives are an endangered species or they think that we're just token conservatives. Uh-huh. So that's why I named that. And my show, we deal with the um, gamut from from issues in the – well, it's primarily issues in the black community, which I'm going to address something which you hit on. But um, we also um, we also work on helping bring the black conservative message to more of the mainstream, if you will. Because right. I mean, we need to have a voice, so that's what my show does. We're working on getting more of a voice out there. So, well, I, I appreciate all you do, man, and, and and I agree with you, frankly. Um, you know, folks think that we're extinct. You know what? They they don't they don't believe that we're free thinkers. They don't believe that we we understand capitalism and and how capitalism can represent our lives in in its proper place. You know? Right. Exactly. Well, I wanted to say this because um, you you hit you hit the nail on the head. But I want to share something with you that I'm not sure that you knew because you're talking about saving our community and and uh, you know uplifting our black our black men here's the problem with that back in the 50s mm-hmm. the statistic was 77% of women were married in the black community and 66% of men were married absolutely and and something like i think it was close to 80% of kids came from Married household. parent households, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yet, when they instituted the welfare program in, ni- in the 1960s, black women were told for them to get help. The male could not be in the home. Right. That's where it started. And there were other things that took place which I'm I'm going to I'm just going to kind of gloss over all of it to get to my point and because of policies and other things that were instituted by the liberal establishment sure you have things that are going on in our community and I'm just going to count, come out and say it and I and I know you probably know this our population growth in our community has reached zero what does that mean? More people in our community is dying each year sure. than are being born. That bothers me because when I go into when I go into our black churches, we don't hear that being talked about. You you don't hear you don't hear the issue of abortion in a black community being talked about from the pulpit. It's like you said, you don't really hear about 
black-on-black crime being talked about, um, these other things, the fact that homosexuality is growing faster in the black in the black race than any other race in America, the mm-hmm. fact that we have the highest dropout among our males than any other race in America, with Hispanic males running a close second. Mm-hmm. You don't hear those things. Only thing you hear from the pulpit, well, you better quit drinking that you're sinning and all this, that, and the other. I understand that needs to be talked about, but when are we going to talk about saving the saving our community, our community from extinction? Mm. That's that's my soapbox, brother. Um, you know I I. I'm I'm very passionate about that. I was actually in Washington D.C. talking about that, and and I hear you loud and clear. And I know my listeners do by now. You know that's something that we touch on 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 a regular basis. And right. and and the numbers are there, man. And, and folks turn a blind eye to the numbers because we don't want to be individually responsible. And, exactly. And folks, folks like to argue choice when choice is something that's God given, and no one can truthfully argue choice. But we can we can be responsible. You know. You know? Exactly. And that that was my that's my whole point. And then, you know, the whole black on black crime. You've been familiar obviously cuz it's been all over the news with the flash mobs in Wisconsin and oh, yeah. Milwaukee, Chicago. Well, we kind of had something like that happen here in Kansas City. That's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And um it was a group of black kids who went down to the country club plaza. But see here here's the thing. They didn't jump on they didn't jump on other um other white people. There were three there were three black youth shot by other black kids. Wow. One was fifteen well was it thirteen, fifteen and sixteen. Two two boys and a girl shot. And our mayor was actually down on the Plaza, trying to keep things calm because we have had a problem with the flash mobs on on our um, in that area because that's really one of our upscale shopping areas. So a lot of the kids would congregate. And last year we had a we had a major riot. It was about seven hundred people, seven hundred youth. They and they organized it through Twitter and Facebook, mm-hmm. and they met on them. They met by the fountain down there, and it broke out into a major riot. And so, and the thing of it is, it turned out to be black-on-black crime. And so, I'm thinking, I'm I'm with you right there, because my question is this. How long are we going to continue to just act like things are not happening. Oh yeah, um, Mr. Democratic guy, he gives me a check every month. That's helping us. Yeah. Okay. They're giving you a check, but do you not realize why you calling me and Uncle Tom for being a conservative? First of all, you never even read the book because if you read the book, you would know that Uncle Tom actually got beat to death for not telling the slave master where the other two runaway slaves were. Yeah. So, so if anything, he wasn't a sellout. Mm-hmm. Sambo and Quinto was the real sellout. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. Exactly. So I just and the thing of it is, and you said it you said it best. You said it best when um when you said about how was it you or Sonny? Because Sonny was talking about reflection, and she said, you know, how we don't really we don't really want to be held responsible, but we sure know how to point out the faults of somebody else if they're doing wrong. And that's, that's right. just, just kind of paraphrasing. But, you know, and that's what it boils down to. We think because our ancestors were enslaved that we don't we don't have to be held accountable that we're we have free reign to do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it and that is not the case that's not right and I'm I'm tired of it quite frankly so that's why I started doing my show because First of all, black conservatives, the GOP and the conservative movement as a whole need to realize they have a secret weapon in us if they want to utilize it. Because really, not only can we take the message to our community, but we also can be an energizing force into the conservative movement if that's what they want. Sure. You know something? I think, I think, Carla, I think a lot of people are realizing that. Um, a lot of various groups are realizing that. I know that we work with, or, or myself personally, we work with several, several groups and, and senators. And I mean, you name it, man. Just in the last twelve months, I've been—I can't tell you how many different politicians and different political groups and grassroots organizations that I've been working with and that I continue to work with because something is it's something that's happening across the across the United States at least right now, and it's money. Okay, the decline right. of money. A lot of folks don't have money the way we once did, and a lot of people are looking towards the black community, going, "Wait a minute, okay, you guys have been doing, or, or let me just say, the poor community. You guys have been doing without for a very long time, and how in the heck did you get by?" So right. there's a, there's a lot of people. There, there's an interesting thing that's going on around this country, and a lot of people want to know now how has the black community got along all these years without less and with so many things going on within our community. But the problem lies is that the things continue to go on and we, we continue to, 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 to fight against each other, but all for the betterment of ourselves. I, I, can't, I can't find too many black folks out there who want bad on black people in, in the general terms of speaking. You know, you right. always got a little bit of hater out there from one person to the next, and that's just something that's been injected into our our. Our, our communities for since forever, but you know a, a lot of things are happening now, and and I think it's a turn of events. But my question is, is it realistic to you? My question to you is, is it realistic to think that we're gonna ever actually change this? Is it really realistic to think that we're gonna ever change this? I got one, I got one answer for you, and that is this: we can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens us. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> That's a beautiful answer right there. You know, and I'll tell you this real quick and then I have to go because my show's coming on at nine. But just to show you, the Word of God says that um, God gives us favor before great men and women. 
I put in a, a Facebook uh, message to um, Pastor C.L. Bryant. You know, he's filming the Runaway Slave movie. I'm actually in that movie, too. Shout out to C.L. Well, that is awesome. That is awesome. I asked him to come on my show after, and he actually, he sent me a personal message back, which really honored me. And so after he gets back from Israel, mm-hmm. he's going. we're going to set up a time and I'm going to interview him. Because my thing is this, liberals have told us for so long that we're not capable of doing this, that, and the other. And I am going to show them firsthand, not only am I capable of doing something, but I am actually in a process of starting a, and it's a business, it's a for-profit business, but I'm starting the BCRN, which is the Black Conservative Radio Network. And we're going to have an impact on this nation and on this world, and that's my goal. So, Well, shout out to you, my brother. Um, hey, man, you got free reign to come on this show anytime. I'll definitely try my best to get on the show with you one day. And I appreciate right. you calling in, calling in and sharing your message with us. Thank you, Pudge. You have a good right. night. You too. Bye. See you soon. The number one online music tournament encompasses seven different genres, including hip-hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to SoundChew.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists, then... Vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com, the number one online music tournament. Hey, it's if it's Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. and you got nothing to do, I want you to make some time. Grab your slippers, get your robe on, get some comfortable clothes on, leave your rollers in your hair, and get cozy, real cozy, with a drink in your computer. If you've ever been to a coffee shop before, this is a coffee shop you've never seen before right in the comfort of your own home. Late Night Mike, every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m., starring your host, Katrina Watkins, poet extraordinaire, and the host act right. My man holds it down. The purely poetic Late Night Mike poetry show. Hey, if you wanted some good poetry in your life, make sure you log on to www.blogtalkradio.com backslash purely dash poetic. Warfare. In Jesus name.
Jesus Christ is looking for warriors that are willing to fight. We need to leverage our political power and our political interests in both parties. We have the opportunity to talk about how our values work because when they're put in place, when we govern according to those values, they work. If anybody is going to take on Mr. Barack Obama, it's going to be black conservatives. When you push in abortion upon a population, you ask yourself, who's pushing it? Democrats cannot win without the black vote. The Jesse Jackson era is over. Conservatism is neither white nor black. It's what's right. It's what's good. Our community is everyone. This is a kingdom of God movement. When I was in inner city, pastoring, what I saw was the Democratic Party making inner city at that time a social wasteland. Maybe it's you who needs to decide that you want something different and stop waiting for a politician to hand that to you. We are serious about the mission that we have for the Frederick Douglass Foundation, and we stand on three basic pillars. And we don't apologize for it, but we are devoted Christians, first and foremost. We are proud black Americans and active Republicans. There are two issues that are facing our nation today that we don't uh, allow anybody, if they want to get our support, you are pro-life and you believe marriage is composed of one man and one woman at one time. We may not be the organization for you, and that's okay. We're not changing who we are. <laughs> I don't understand that. They won't mention that the vice chair, when I tell a lot of people that even, even Republicans, they say, wow, we didn't know that. They didn't know that the vice chair of the North Carolina Republican Party is a black man named Dr. Timothy Johnson. Timothy Johnson is also the national cha chairman and founder of the Frederick Douglass Foundation. They don't mention that the KKK was a terrorist arm of the Democratic Party. They just talk about what they did to blacks, but they failed to mention, they forget that one little detail. And they, and the other thing they won't tell you is that from 1929 to 1974, North Carolina had a eugenics board, and they passed the Sterilization Act. Welcome, welcome back to WMMG, home of the KIRP radio show. You know, it's Pudgy, man. We here. We talking about some things, you know, black community, black on black crime. Why aren't we outraged earlier? <laughs> outraged. Sorry about that. Earlier on the show, we had uh, my man Lenny McAllister holding it down out of Chi-Town. Lenny came on. He dropped some jewels, folks. You know, he has some good things to say. A whole bunch of things that he's involved in. You know, he let the people know what's going on out there. Um, you know, Lenny also, he's looking to secure a spot on the Tea Party Express that, that'll be touring starting August the 26th. So if anybody want to support those efforts out there, he's also about to see if he can get a new radio show or is working on a new radio show out of Chicago, out of the Chicago area. So shout out to Lenny, man, and all he do. And also we had Sonny Johnson on. Everybody know who Sonny is, man. Movie star, uh, motivational speaker, activist for pro-rights and pro-life holding it down. She came on and she gave us a jewel and she said, uh, it's all about the reflection, not the deflection. And we need to reflect on the things that we can do for ourselves instead of deflecting and not paying attention on the things that we must do. So shout out to Sonny for coming on and dropping that jewel, giving us that message. If you're just logging on to the show, 
Um, make sure you hit us up online if you got a comment. 619-638-8559 is the number. The website is KIRPRadioShow.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at symbol KIRP Radio Show and at symbol NC Pudgy, and that's me. So make sure you add me. You know, don't be surprised on what I might say. Hit me up. Leave me a comment. You know, you can complain on there. Send a hate mail like I always get from a whole bunch of people. It seems that the uh, the skinheads have left me alone lately. I hadn't gotten an email message from any of those Aryan Brotherhood brothers out there. But I still love y'all, so shout out to y'all, even though I know y'all hate my guts. And I appreciate all the, the news hanging pictures and all the stuff that they put on the Facebook page and a couple of blogs out there that I do. So shout out to the Aryan Brotherhood, man. We still love you, man. Y'all brothers in Christ, no matter what you say, we're the same people. You bleed like I do. So anyway, anybody who's listening to the show, you B.I.G. in my book. I got a couple of callers on here that's been hanging on for quite a while. Actually, six more callers. Well, seven now. Seven callers that have been hanging on for quite a while. So I'm going to try to get some callers in and, uh, you know, see what the callers got to say. I'm going to go to a call out of the 336. Uh, last three digits, 802 caller. You are on the air if you want to talk with me. What's up? Hello? Hey. Hello, I hear you getting ready. Hello? Hello, you on the line with Pudgy, what's up? Oh, what up, Pudgy, man? This, this is Rob, man. I got caught on going. I'm still at uh, Winter Salem trying to help my son get in on school. Get prepared, man. Oh, yeah, you enrolling your son, man. That, that's that's a beautiful thing, man. I, I won't interrupt. If, you, if you're not ready to talk, I'll just go to another caller. I missed the talk, man. I was trying to help him. But uh, what are we talking about right now? Uh, we're talking about black-on-black crime, and why aren't we outraged when it comes to black-on-black crime? Oh, man, honestly, how I feel about it is, and it's something that just happened recently here in Greensboro, um, and then we know this barbershop call we had also, but two girls got into it. Uh, the lady's daughter got into it with another girl. She went back, and guys, some guys came back, and the guys end up, killing the mother because she tried to intervene and, you know, from her daughter's getting jumped by some other girls and the guy. Wow. And, um, you know, we end up in the barbershop the next day after it happened and come to find out when the guys in the barbershop knew what was going on and, just, and decided not. He said he knew who it was, but he was with this, this not snitching thing. So, yeah, so it was like, you know, a lot of it wasn't just him, but it was a lot of people that knew who the guy was that actually killed the lady. But, you know, they were just like, we ain't going to tell it because, you know, how as a as a generation, you know, they're not snitching and not telling nobody. But And it was like, man, I couldn't believe it because the the lady that I knew, you know, I kind of knew. I seen her, you know, passing by, waving in the store and stuff like that. And it was just so hard. It, it hit my heart. Like, man, I can't believe that people within the same neighborhood, and it was a group of people outside. So everybody that saw it, even if they do, decided not to even tell what was going on. So, I mean, that's... It was just, and I heard you earlier talking to Sonny about, you know, before you start talking to Sonny about the black on black crime thing, but it was really heavy on my heart that this guy knew who it was. He didn't feel the need to tell anybody. Right. And other people knew it as well and didn't feel the need to tell anybody. And that was somebody's mother, aunt, you yeah. know, wife. And it's something that I think it's, it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know what, how to, what to call it, but it's something where... It doesn't give our, our people the, uh, and we don't love each other. Man. It's not an endearment because, and just me speaking and thinking, but we, um, I think is that had that been a bunch of white people and 
some some guy would have shot another person or shot somebody, mother or aunt, whatever. First of all, that crowd would have mobbed him. Yeah. I'm thinking they would have mobbed him, and he would have been caught within 30 minutes, 30 seconds, because somebody would have told him. But we allow our people to be hurt, to not care about each other. And it just shows me that a lot of times in this generation and that we don't care about each other like you know, like wow. we should. And the hood don't the shit the hood don't show love, man. Not no more. It used to, you know, back in the day, you know, I I knew my neighbors. Yeah. I knew yeah. I knew people down the street. They knew my kids and knew to look out for my kids and black on black crime man it's, and you know, with the whole neighborhood, the hood, everything else, just general neighborhoods right now, it's just hard to to have people care for each other. But as far as black on black crime, they it's it's ridiculous saying, you know, it just it seems like something of a norm. You know, people you know, when you speak of black people doing some crime, people it's like it's expected. Yeah. Oh, it's a yeah. black man, he kill he killed somebody, oh that's 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 what we do. And you know, people don't speak up we don't speak up for each other doing that. It, you know so, you know no. what's amazing, Rod, is that it, it you know, you just hit on something brand new. I mean, I guess it's not new, but it wasn't said today. It's that cold, man, that that ridiculous cold that seems to be that stands over civility, man, and just plain love for an individual, period. It's that I can't believe somebody would, would stick to that ridiculous cold when it comes to a life being lost. But meanwhile, you know, folks in the hood would be like the hood is the realist, the hood does this, the hood does that. But in the meanwhile, you allow somebody to get killed and won't even say anything. Whether it's a mother, father, whatever, it's just an individual that died in in, in nonsense, you know? Mm-hmm. And actually, man, I mean, I've seen that. I actually seen it on TV. I was watching. Uh, I don't mean to try to, you know, run out the time, but I saw, uh, you know, what is it? First forty-eight. Yeah. And uh, the mother, her son, had been killed. But when they brought in for questioning, she was like, you know, she wasn't down with snitching. And the officer was shot. Wow. He was another black man. He was like, um, this is your son, your baby. Somebody just killed your baby, and you don't want to tell who it is because you you decide to, you don't want to snitch. You don't want to do that. And it's just terrible. I haven't saw it on TV and know that people really believe this as an oath, but they don't take the oath to do, to do right by a black community, to do right by each other, but they do an oath to see us do each other wrong, and it's okay with it, but, you know, they don't feel the need to try to do things better and take an oath to stand together and do things as one, as a, you know, as a neighborhood, as black people. But that's pretty much where we're at right now. Wow, man, that... That's a, it, it, it's not like I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It, it's not it's not that we don't know, we don't realize it. But it's more amazing to hear it, to hear it said out loud that you know that code means more than my child being killed and me telling who it was so they can be caught and thrown away into prison. You know what I'm saying? I, I do not understand how this code can mean more than people. So it's no wonder that and you know we constantly complain about how others view us or how others aren't concerned about what's going on in the black community when we don't care ourselves. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't understand, but, you know, that's what, you know, what we allow, and that's where we are right now in a, in a society. Well, Rod, you, you, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad this is your number two. I, I didn't even know this is you, man. We had a few people on the queue, but I want you to talk about it real quick because next week, folks, if you don't know, I'll be broadcasting live from – Rod and his wife's, and uh, I forget the name of the barbershop. They got an event coming on coming up next week, and I know I let everybody that's in my circle know about it, so we could definitely get involved with this event. Rod, tell us about this event next week, man. If you if you got a second. 
Yeah, we um we're doing a community back to school kickoff kickball game. We'll be um giving away. We're trying to supply at least 400 kids with back to school supplies, and you know we'll be doing free hot dogs, chips, and drinks. But we'll also be having uh things like face painting. We have a dunking booth. We have the bouncy for the kids. We'll just be doing a couple of things. And what we're doing, we're doing it. You know, just my wife and I. Um, my wife and I and my barber at Generation Barbershop. We decided one day that we want to give back to the neighborhood, you know, just something that my wife and we usually do it every year for the just mm-hmm. our local neighborhood, and we get a big turnout every year. So it was just something that we decided to do. So this year we wanted to do it a little bigger. So we, you know, partnered up with my barber, uh, Mark Perkins, at Generation Barbershop, and we decided to try to make it something where not just this year, but we'll continue to do it each and every year and just give back to the kids and for those that need and don't have and um, it's just, we're doing that, and it'll be Sunday, August 21st, from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. I mean, everybody, anybody who wants to participate in the kickball game, they need to come and try to register a little early before, you know, we actually uh, decide to get the teams together. But we want you to register so we know the ones that do want to play, that don't want to play. But what we're doing, it's going out of love, man. It's nothing that we've no doubt. conjured up to try to, you know, um, say, well, let me just get donations or get money from people. No, we're doing our love, and it had nobody in uh, donated anything. We would have done it out of pocket. No doubt. you know, this is something that we, we need to look out for our kids. And like we were saying, in the black-on-black crime in the neighborhoods, we just try to go ahead and you got to show the kids love first. You got to show them that, you know, it's about something. And show them that you want to do things that, you know, that they do have somebody to turn to. So, you know, you won't have to worry about they know they can if if some a crime does happen they can come to somebody and say, Well, this is what you know, this is what happened and they don't they feel comfortable coming to somebody telling because right now the the neighborhoods are divided. Sure. Kids have no one to turn to, they don't show have anybody showing them what to do, how to do and it's just at this point, that's where we are with it. Seems like they're on they're on their own, you know. Well, yeah, right, man. look, so look, man. I, I I appreciate you coming through, brother, and and I appreciate you letting us know about the event. And we kind of adopted ourselves into your event. And uh, yep. you know, we've we've asked other people. You know, we issued a challenge on here, and I think a lot of people. Well, I know a lot of people have stepped up to the plate, and I've gotten a lot of phone calls about your event. So you know, every year oh, at KRP Radio Show, we're in there, brother. You know, maybe oh, next year we'll definitely appreciate it. No doubt. Well, I I know you guys appreciate it, man, because you you said the major thing. You know, you do it out of love. And I also appreciate you coming on the board to my campaign called I Love Being a Black Father. Um, that's something that we started on Facebook, folks, and it's not just a Facebook page. It, it's more than that. It's a movement, and a lot of people have responded positively. And I, and I think we got something, man, so we'll keep pushing on. And I'll see you guys next week, Rob. Oh, definitely. Appreciate it, man. Y'all have, hold it down. All right, thanks, brother. Shout out to Generations Barbershop, too, man, for coming through. Contessa Woods, you guys, you guys are extraordinary. B.I.G. in my book. And uh, I'm looking forward to being out there next week. So it's the community back-to-school kickoff. If anybody want to be a sponsor, make sure you you call up. Hit me up on the Facebook, krpradio at gmail.com. Anything you want to donate, whatever. You know, we're not taking any monetary funds. I'm not sure what Rod is taking, but from the KRP standpoint, if you want to get involved and you contact us, I'm not going to take any money, no monetary donations. But we will take your book bags, your paper, your pencils, I don't care how you got to get it. You can do a gift card or something. We'll make sure that they get it, and this is all for the kids. Um, if you want to come out and be a part of it, you know, it's going to be free food, games, school supplies.
for up to 400 kids or beyond. August 21st, 2 p.m. through 7 p.m. at Nocho Park. That's 1010 Duke Street in Greensboro, North Carolina. All kids are invited. Feel free to inform others and, and let them know about this event as it's coming up. This will be next Sunday. I'll be out there live. Make sure you guys come up, man, and, you know, show some love. You know, I, I commend these folks with giving back because, you know, if you show people love and embrace folks, you know, that will somewhat change your heart, and, and, and that will help folks fight against all the negative that's going on out there. So, you know, shout out to Rock Contestant Generations Barbershop for making that about. That was that was a perfect way to, you know, bring on this advertisement of that, that back-to-school event that I wanted to do. Going to another caller. From the seven oh eight last three digits one two five, you're on air with Pudgy. What's up? Hey, what's happening, Pudgy? Uh, first time caller, and you have a very interesting show going on here, and and I will be calling back. I'm out the Chicagoland area, and I want to preface my comments first by stating that I am not a conservative, nor am I a liberal. I'm just a a black man that cares about our community. That's what we love, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. And and, yeah. and on the black on black crime piece that you're talking about this evening, um, it, it's really atrocious how we will be quick to attack one another mm. in such a vile and vicious manner. But at the same token, I want to say this as well. I don't think it's the bulk of our community. I believe that a lot of things are highlighted by media, mm-hmm. and, but. I know the people on my block and the people in my area are actually fantastic members of my community. Sure, that's and, right. And one thing that I'd also like to state is I hate the hood. And I'm going to say that again. I hate the hood. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I hate the hood is because that's what a community degenerates to. Mm. We, went, we went from community to neighborhood. The word neighbor stripped from neighborhood. Now That's we right. have hoods now. And, and and once we decide we don't want hoods anymore and we start acting neighborly once again, we can get the neighborhood back. And once we start spending our monies with one another, supporting black businesses and the business supporting the neighborhood, then the community will come back into come back into tax. And on the non snitching that the uh, other gentleman was talking about before I think that's a shame, too, because if I see a crime in my community slash neighborhood, I'm telling. I'm telling, too. Is, I sure hate it. You can call me a snitch. But that's at right. the same folks, leadership starts at the top. And what I mean is the police departments have a code of non-snitching as well. Mm-hmm. When they're beating the hell out of one of us, that's they right. one of us back, they do not snitch on themselves. Maybe once the police department starts snitching, on their brethren, we'll have more of a non-snitching element in our community. Mm. That's a powerful message right there, too, brother. And, and that, I agree with you, man. I, I think it's it's not, you know, it's a, it's a minute part of the communities, right? It's a minute part, and, and, and in large part, like you said, just the hood folks or just the hood that, that totally gives off a, a, a total negative vibe about the communities that we're from where people go to work every day. We cut our grass and pick up our trash and our kids mind themselves and they yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, at least yes and no. So it, it's not the whole community, brother. It, it, like like you said, it's just a minute part and, and in large part, it's the hood. 
So I, I agree with you there, man. I hate the hood, too. And, and the reason I hate the hood, I hate the hood mentality. It's not that I hate where I'm from. I hate the mentality of where if I see someone in the street, I'm never going to tell it. If I see someone get hurt in the street, I'm not telling. I'm not helping that person. Oh, I'm too big and too bad to say hello to that person that I walk by. It's ridiculous, man. It, it's it's now, really I, I, ridiculous. I, I agree with you. I agree with you tremendously, Pudgy. And once we start ostracizing certain people in our communities, you know, these people are too comfortable. They they feel no pressure from anybody. And once we, we get a lot of these young men and these young women back on point, and a lot of times you just got to turn your back on them. And yeah, that may sound love. cold. It may sound cold, but it's hard, but it's fair. Because mm-hmm. I, I, we work too hard for what we have. And I also want to state this as well. I hate that I miss Lenny. Like I told you before, I am from Chicago, and uh, I did listen to his show on WVON AM sixteen ninety. Uh-huh. And actually, he he was also he's been on my show. I'm, I'm also a Blog Talk Radio host as well. He's been on my show twice, and uh, very gracious gentleman, very gracious mm-hmm. gentleman, uh, very articulate. And him being a conservative, I, I was pretty ignorant to the conservative movement. But once I got to talking with this gentleman, I, I, I opened my eyes up, and I see that everybody that's conservative is, is not like like the brother said earlier in the show, Uncle Tom. Not that you know, everybody quote. that absolutely, and yeah. and everybody that's the liberal is not a punk. Absolutely, we have. I, I want to just see us come together, and really, I would love to see us take some of these labels off of us, and just come back as one big happy family and have a, a, a family reunion of blackness all across the nation. And, brother, I, I don't want to stay on air and monopolize the time. But uh, great show, first time calling. I'll be checking you out again, bro. Hey, hey, if you, if you will, because we believe in shout-outs, and, and thanks for the love on the show, too, but we believe in shout-outs. So if you will, please give that shameless plug on your show. Shout-out your show, because I hope some of my listeners will go over and start listening to you, as I know I will. Oh, I appreciate it, brother. My name is Dino Dean. I'm the host of the Dino Dean Show here on Blog Talk Radio, and I have a show every Sunday at sun every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Appreciate you, Quasi, for letting me give me a plug in on the show, and I'll be tuning back in, bro. And you have a fantastic rest of the evening. You too, man. Be blessed. Thanks for calling. Yes, Dino Dean from the Dino Dean Show. You big in our book. Appreciate everybody coming on and listening, man. Celebrating, showing some love. It's been a beautiful show, man, and, and, and you know, like that brother just said, man, it, it, it's something about labels that we have to, to rid ourselves of because labels have tore us down in the community. And, and like I said before, you know, to all the folks out there who are listening to the show, make sure you, you know, Ride and myself, we started a, a Facebook page, we started a movement called I Love Being a Black Father because to get rid of some of those labels, like like Dino Deans is just saying, you know, we got to get rid of the labels of, of saying of that define black fathers today, that define black men today, that define our neighborhoods today, that define black people in general today. I'm not on a listen, folks that listen to this show and people that know me and that I interact with. I'm not this guy that's going black, 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 black. Oh, the world needs to be black. We need to paint the world black. Everybody owes black people this and that. I don't believe in that. Okay. I love my people and I love who I'm, I love who I am. I love where I'm from. And one thing that I realize is that right now, well, hell, always in the, in the United States or in the world, you know, black people have been probably the most 
misfortunate. In speaking in the United States terms, speaking in economic terms or society alone, and it is what it is. We can't dwell on that because there are a lot of opportunities out here today. One thing that I believe in that a friend and myself were talking about just last week, but one thing that I believe in, I still believe that you can work your ass off. Pardon my language. God's still working on me. But I do believe that you can work your butt off and make something of yourself. I believe that you can work your butt off and achieve something. I believe that you can work your butt off and have some of the things that you never had before that you always looked at and said, mm, one day I'm going to have that. I think that we still can work our butt off and achieve those things until we get everybody on the same page of, of believing that and appreciating the things that we've achieved and not look down on folks that have achieved these things so far as believing the rich is evil, the rich ain't that. If the rich was so evil and it was so bad about having money and so bad about achieving excellence and, and, and working a good job and providing for yourself and have monetary income coming in, if that was so bad, the lotto would not exist. We wouldn't be scratching our we wouldn't be scratching our lives away on scratch offs or Powerball and 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 Mega Million ourselves to death ourselves to death. That that happens, folks, and the reason that happens is because folks want to have money. Now, when it comes to the point of loving that money, that's a whole different aura. That's a whole different thing. When you fall in love with money, then now we we can talk about something different right now. But I don't think we're meant to be poor. So, listen, man, I, I don't have a problem with rich people. Okay, I don't have a problem with money at all. And I don't think that we should. I believe that, that especially speaking on in the black community, any time that we get to the point where we actually believe that being rich is evil, we've been brainwashed and we started drinking the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? And I'm not drinking nobody Kool-Aid here lately. I'm, I'm not for that. I think that, you know, we can continue on and I think that we should strive for the best. You know, nobody I know that, that works their butt off every day and get up and go to work every day and provide for their family and pay their taxes or, or whatever they do to work hard and achieve the things that they want to achieve. Nobody I know says that, hey, I make just enough now, so I'm not going to take that next raise that I get. Or that's enough for me, so let's leave that on the table for the next guy. Or that's okay, boss, I appreciate it. I know I work my butt off and I work double shifts and I go hard, but I, I don't need that extra dollar per hour. I don't know anybody like that. I don't know anybody like that because we we strive for excellence. So if you if you really believe that 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 premise that you know being rich is evil, well stop playing scratch offs. You know what I mean? Stop playing Powerball and Mega Millions and all that. And uh, you you know before that stuff was even legal, man, we used to go to number houses and play numbers in hopes that we'd hit the hit the number and have a little bit more than we had last week. I mean that's that's what I'm talking about. That's why I know of and that's why I'm conservative. You can call the movement what you want. I call myself conservative because I believe in conserving and conservative things. That doesn't mean I agree with all conservatives and all Republicans or all Democrats because I don't. But getting rid of the label, I believe that we can be excellent and we can achieve the things that, that we are that we feel like we need to achieve and to create better lives for us and our families. One thing that I know for sure is that this black on black crime is running rampant and it is tearing our neighborhoods apart. We're not like the one gentleman said, we're not neighborly anymore. Now it's just the hood, and everybody comes with that hood mentality. You can hardly walk by somebody and speak to them without getting looked at like you're crazy. But one thing about me, I can hold me down. I'm always speaking to folks. I'm always saying hello, and I don't care how they take it. You know what I mean? So those are some things that we need to work on, man. Those are those. That's my message. I'm, I'm you know, I, man, I, I'm, I'm stuttering so much on this show because there's so much that I want to say. My brain is running a million miles a minute. 
But, you know, that's how it goes down, man. The show's coming to a close. Got to give a special shout-out to the Frederick Douglass Foundation. You are B.I.G. in my book. All the FDF leaders out there, man. Shout-out to you guys. All the proactive people out there. Everybody in the neighborhoods. All 165 to my producers over there, 165,000 listeners. I appreciate you guys listening to the KRP Radio Show and making us the number one conservative hip-hop black conservative radio show in the Carolinas, and we're trying to take over, man. So we got a positive message, and I'm sorry I got to close the show. I appreciate you guys listening in. And you know what? Next week we'll be live at the community back-to-school kickoff event in Greensboro, North Carolina at Nocho Park. 1010, uh, what's the address? 1010 Duke Street, Greensboro, North Carolina, starting at 2 p.m., ending at 7 p.m. You guys make sure you're at that event or make sure you come out, bring a pack of paper or some pencils or we don't care what you bring out, man. Just just bring out something, you know, and show some love out there and let us know, you know, that you care about the community and you care about what's going on out there, man. There's a, there's a lot of things and a lot of ways we can help, and we're definitely here to help. 619-638-8559 is the number for next week. Um, www.krpradioshow.com. You can also hit us up on Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash krpradioshow. Thanks for rocking with me. I'm out of here. One love. Yeah, we do with this time. I go for mine. I get to shine. Let's go your hand.